Hello and welcome to the Album of the Week Club. Each week we take a look at a legendary album through the lens of three people with differing levels of musical knowledge. Does listening to and analysing albums make us appreciate them more? And will it open our eyes to a whole new world of music? Well, let's meet our hosts. I'm Martin McDonnell and our resident expert in classic rock, alternative and indie music. Basically all the stuff with guitars in them. I'm also a former music journalist who owns over 500 albums on vinyl, so I might just be qualified for this task. Following Snap at my heels is Harry Heath, direct from Sweden. Harry is a big indie head with more eclectic tastes than myself and will hopefully keep me up to date with anything that's been released this century. How are we, Harry? Hello, I'm doing good. How are we going to keep up with this um, uh, deal which you say I'm going to give you songs from this century? Is this going to be like a special episode or...? Oh. Well, the the brilliant thing about this century, Harry, is that there are new songs being released all the time. What? Yeah. So I think every week you should tell us about the week's new song. <laughs> well, until the not going on, Mark, Martin and I can both act very derisively towards it. Lana Del Rey was the other week. Ugh. Well, she's you, all actually. Right. That's not. Fa- that's not fair. I don't. I've never heard. I've of not checked like it out that, enough so. to have an opinion. Oh, mm. she, she was called by Pitchfork like America's Greatest Songwriter or something like that recently. If Pitchfork tell me anyone's America's Greatest Anything. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not sure that, so I'm not sure that the what? greatest of America is that high a bar. Mm. The thing is, Pitchfork mm. has a little tendency to be a tad hipsterish. Yeah, I, I just kind of like Lana because of... Um, I tend to find if you get a 10 out of 10 album... Across like or nine out of ten album from most yeah, publications, Pitchfork will give it a seven, and then they'll take a couple of seven out of ten albums and make them the best album of all time. Yeah, they they mm. often give like a very popular mainstream album much higher score than they would give like a returning artist who's yeah. Um, I, I feel like basically they'll do, do you know sorry Pitchfork, um, but they'll, they'll take a sort of above average album and really escalate it um, just to make themselves sort of maybe stand out. Yeah. We've got to be careful because, you know, we've got a lot of Pitchfork fanboys in the comments. So, Well, <laughs> well I'm never writing for Pitchfork. That's what we... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, every single by, by Facebook the of it, Martin, they wouldn't comments. Want... No, probably not. <laughs> but I think Pitchfork kind of revel in that kind of controversial song. oh yeah of course yeah um i mean to be fair i, I as, as wiley sort of said that i'm not really pitchforks type i don't have um no. i don't have designer stubble <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I just check it out from time to time because it's a laugh usually maybe maybe after a few more episodes of this i could write for pitchfork <laughs> <laughs> who's that talking and in the darkened corner of the room is a man who currently pays £10 a month subscription to both Two Door Cinema Club and the XX. <laughs> a man who looked for the Beastie Boys in the yellow pages when he saw a mouse in his kitchen. He's our resident musical dunce, <laughs> it's David Wiley. <laughs> How are we, David? Uh, yeah, I'm okay. I've, I've, I've heard of two of those three bands. Ooh, Ooh impressive. That's some good stuff. Which was the one you hadn't heard of? Uh, the XX. Ah, okay. They're pretty local. The the one that you'd expect me not to have heard of, probably. Mm. I mean, um, 
I mean, the thing is, I think I've not really heard much about them in the last few years, but like they're huge a few years ago, like the first couple of albums. I think the first one won the Mercury Prize. Yeah, it did. Um, cracking mm, album. Okay. Like got crystallized on it, which is a cracking track. Um, really quite spacious, sort of almost ambient indie, if I'd call it that. Yeah, it's kind of minimalistic. Rock. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was mainly driven by bass and vocals. Really. Yeah, it's kind of um, like glacial in feel. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, check them out. Um, oh, but anyway, got so much to check out. Yeah, we've got so much <laughs> to check out, and uh, one album a week. Yeah, and yeah. we've not even like mentioned what album we're covering this week. Yeah, uh, what's the need? What, what what album are we covering this week? I'm glad you asked. But just just for the benefit of those listeners who don't look at the titles of their podcasts. Well, this week we are taking a hurdle into the world of punk uh, with the Ramones. Uh, the group formed in 1974 and are considered one of the originators of the punk rock movement. Uh, they played quite a lot of shows at uh, the New York venues CBGB and Max's Kansas City. Um, probably rings a bell to Harry, probably not to Wiley. Yeah, but I'm sure Wiley's seen them in The Simpsons. Because oh, I, I right. guess they're the first uh, act we've covered who's actually in The Simpsons. I probably saw them in The they Simpsons. They sang Happy Birthday really... to Mr. Burns. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. It was the Rose Bud episode. Yeah, and he, he asked you, you, say, you say happy birthday and you say happy birthday and Mr. Burns. I imagine him popping out of a cake and singing <laughs> it to Smithers. So. No, it's, it's like they do like this punk rock version of um, Happy yeah. Birthday to happy You. Birthday, dear Burnsy. And then he just yeah. And then at the end, he just goes, "Have the Rolling Stones killed?" <laughs> but sir, they're not. You heard me. See, I think I, I think in that moment, I probably assumed they were the Rolling Stones. So. Uh, but yeah, um, played a lot of um, shows at uh, CBGB in particular, which was like one of the most famous sort of clubs for sort of punk rock or um, new wave. Mm. Uh, so bands that kind of came out of CBGB in particular. Um, you had obviously the Ramones, um, Television, Blondie, Talking Heads. Uh, um, probably the most. I love hearing you say CBGB. Uh, does it stand for anything, or um, do you know? Yeah, it's a Chicago blues and bluesgrass something. Or other. I'd have to double check, but it's, it's something to do with bluesgrass, I believe, because it started out as a country club. Yeah, I just got it now. Uh, country bluegrass and blues. That's it. Yeah. Um, and Max's Kansas City um, were a bit more alternative from the start. Uh, quite famous for um, hosting a residency by the Velvet Underground. Um, the Max's tapes are really cool tapes if you can get hold of them, um, sort of circulating on the bootleg market. Um, I think there is an official bootleg now, but um, some real cool stuff. And a lot of it didn't hit the um, Velvet Underground albums. Um, some of it was later used by Lou Reed, for instance, like Lisa Says and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, uh, cool. uh, so yeah, they, I mean, all of them, those two venues are like, were like steeped, you know, in sort of authenticity. I mean, none of the bands mm. were big at that moment in time, but they all became big later. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. even the Velvet Underground, like their career was basically over as a band, but they were very much a cult concern. Like, they were nothing the level that, you know, they're considered now. They were a band that kind of broke up and then got big, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ramones yeah. don't have, like, a huge lasting legacy, really. Uh, they do and they I don't. Gather. 
Um, they, they have like a hardcore like fan base, but I think the critics definitely have them down as the godfathers of punk. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they don't have like but so think, many landmark albums. No, or... I think the thing is, compared to all the other punk bands, they had quite a long career. Yeah, so they kind uh, and of they played coasted live a hell of a lot from what I saw. Yeah, so they sort of coasted off of. You could argue, I suppose, um, that they coasted off of the kind of goodwill that the critics and the hardcore gave them for a long time. Mm. You know, by and large, most albums, it was a case of dwindling returns, especially in the 80s and the 90s. Um, you know, just um, by definition, they were getting older and they couldn't keep up as much. I think um, yeah. towards the end, Joey's voice was definitely going on a live stage. Some um, once the tour before their final tour, like his vocals just sound shot. Um, and you know, there's only, there's only so far that goodwill will get you. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think there was also a feeling within the band that they weren't getting the dues that they deserved by the end. Mm. They felt that they should be put up on an even higher pillar than they were because. <laughs> they were the first of a the huge movement. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, when I when I think of Clash, I, I mean when I think of punk, I think of the Clash or the Sex yeah. Pistols and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I don't think Ramones actually really comes into the discussion that much, especially on this side of the pond. No, um, I think the thing is, like American punk's not really considered over here because we had our own thing going on. Yeah, uh, and I guess when Wiley would think of punk, maybe he thinks of stuff like um, Blink-182 and the post-punk sort of stuff, like um, Green Day and that. Because that's sort I, of I, like... I, I, I think, I think his mind would I go just, towards the Sex Pistols. I okay. think you'll find I just don't think of punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, the album cost uh, $6,400 to record. Um, hit- Was that? I take it that's quite cheap for the time. Dirt cheap. Yeah. yeah. They, they would yeah. pump lots of money into like random bands back then. Yeah, I mean, even adjusted for inflation, it's not a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to I was trying to work out the inflation in my head, but it was. Yeah, <laughs> I think the famous Apple I don't one was twenty thousand. I mean, at this point, like your big bands were probably costing on average ten times that budget. Hmm. Okay. Um, hit number one hundred and eleven on the Billboard two hundred. And number 48 in Sweden. And that's all the chart data I could find out for it. <laughs> They're absolutely Jesus. huge in Sweden. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard them because um, my girlfriend's dad likes to play them quite a lot. Yeah. They kind of sound a bit Swedish. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a bit of internationality in there. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to work out as I was listening to it. What? Because it, it didn't sound American or British, their voices. There's, no, trying to work there's out what one place in particular that has foreign roots, and it will come up when we discuss one of the songs. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll drop that point for now. But, but they're all Jewish New York. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the main singer is a very tall guy. He's like 1.98 meters. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Really gangly, and yeah. I think it adds like a bit of a low register to his voice, and it is a bit slackery yeah, would... vocally. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so are they? Are they all called Ramon because they're related? No, it was or just a gang thing. They just happened to. 
Um, ah, okay. The origin for the Ramones name um, actually came <laughs> from Paul McCartney. As we learn, basically everything in music, like law, comes from the Beatles somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically um, they wanted sort of like a uniform name to kind of give this um, gang feel to the band. Mm. And um, Ramon was um, the surname that Paul McCartney would use in hotels. Yeah, I think he um, used it as like a collaborative name, on like an album, like a couple times too when he popped up um do you think he do you think he has to use a different name now yeah i'm sure he does every time he goes to stay in a hotel it's just like oh it's it's the ramon guy <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no, Every, yeah. everyone's thanking him for creating punk rock and it's like <laughs> oh <laughs> i was just trying to sneak into hotels yeah <laughs> yeah um i mean there's a lot of stuff that mccartney's done under pseudonyms that are quite cool in general um yeah. like mm. there's the frillington album um, which is just basically an orchestral re-recording of the Ram album. And it took years for him to like finally acknowledge, yes, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah. But yeah, um, this is like, I suppose, punk right on the sort of edge of punk happening. Um, you know, the Sex Pistols hadn't happened at this time. The Clash hadn't happened at this time. Uh, so... You know, this is what they were looking to in some ways for a template. Yeah, so it's nineteen seventy four. Pretty soon after, well, the band rock came the, along. Uh, the band formed in nineteen seventy four. This album came out in nineteen seventy six. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, if you listen to some of the early recordings, um, there's elements of the punk sound, but they weren't okay, as they punky as they are on the album. The more sort of like garage rock. Okay. Um, I mean, I could I could debate for ages who the first punk bands were, um, and there's a million and one legitimate arguments. So you, you're never going to get to a you know comprehensive answer. Yeah. Um, I mean, punk can people, be more aesthetic than anything. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people put mm. forward Iggy and the Stooges, um, for instance, MC Five, as well sort of the Detroit garage rock movement. A lot of people put that down as being quite punkish. But by the same degree, like, those guys could play. Like, there's a lot of, like, especially, like, um, Iggy Pop stuff that, um, you know, it's way more complex than just three chords, play it loud. Like, you know, um, the uh, guitarist whose name's just eluded me now, like, he could play a guitar. Like, he could cut a solo among the best of them. Mm. But uh, anywho, uh, shall we crack on? Uh, we can yeah. talk about the band yeah. members really quickly. Yeah, like, go so for it. So, um, yeah, Stop. as um, Harry sort of uh, mentioned, you've got Joey, a uh, big, tall, uh, sort of gangly monster of a guy. <laughs> Originally called Jeffrey <laughs> Hyman. You can see why he might have changed his surname. <laughs> yeah. He was the first to die, died in 2001. Pretty yep. soon after they disbanded. Yeah, um, died of uh, lymphemia. Yeah, actually a load of them died pretty close together. Yeah. Um, then you had um, Dee Dee on bass. He was a character. He he like thanked himself when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So yeah. Thank you, Dee Dee. I'm really proud of you, Dee Dee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, he actually wrote quite a lot of their songs. Yeah. Um, even when he left the band, um, he uh, continued to write, on average, about three songs per album. 
Um, nice. But um, he, yeah, he, he not long after the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he actually um, died himself of a heroin overdose. Yeah, a year after Joey. Yeah. Um, basically, been an on and off user for much of his adult life. Mm. Um, and then uh, you had Johnny Ramone, just making sure I'm getting all of these correct here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Cummings. <laughs> yeah, uh, Johnny Ramone was the guitarist. Again, I am just fact checking here, so you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I yeah. get something right, just step in and um, yeah, got it right. He died in two thousand and four. That's years correct. Later. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like maybe Harry should be presenting this because he seems a lot more confident <laughs> on his fact. Oh, it's got it all up in front of me. Yeah, probably because got the wiki in front <laughs> oh. of me. Um, yeah, okay. Johnny Ramone was the guitarist and the sort of main tensions within the band probably came between Joey and Johnny. Um, one was a massive Republican, the other a massive Democrat. And it caused a lot oh. of arguments. Yeah. <laughs> In the same um, rock and roll inductment speech, yeah. Johnny wanted to thank Bill Clinton and praise um, God and stuff like that. Yeah. I believe there was also... Um... No, sorry, it was George Bush. <laughs> sorry. There was also a um, kind of falling out because um, Johnny married Jerry Ramone's ex-girlfriend. That'll do it. <laughs> um, and um, Jerry wrote a song called The KKK Took My Baby Away. Christ. <laughs> Jesus. It's a good song. Because um, Johnny was a very staunch Democrat. That is pretty yeah. hilarious. Though. Was it Republican? <laughs> sorry. Dem uh, Republican. Um, Democrats the other way. I, I forget which one. Uh, Re Republicans are right wing. Democrats yeah. are supposed to be left. Yeah, no, it was a Republican. Um, yeah, and um, Joey was a um, well, what we call over here a liberal. <laughs> uh, they call it they call it liberal over there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose you call it, but um, it, it's said with much more vitriol in the voice. Yeah, it's like you have to say <laughs> liberal. Yeah, liberal. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, Johnny Ramone was very much a Fox News sort of guy. <laughs> oh, and um, yeah. But, but, but moving on, we've yeah, got Tommy. Yeah. We've got Tommy Ramone, um, the drummer, um, who was only in for about three, four years. Uh, he quit to become a producer and produced quite a lot of their stuff as well. Yeah. He was like only two years um, in the band after they released the album. So four years since like they formed the album. Yeah. Yeah. And um, are we going on to the uh, further members or are we just sticking with the ones on this album? <laughs> well, let's stick with the ones on the album. I mean, Basically, yeah, just... they all adopt the surname. Yeah. But I there's mean, more. <laughs> yeah, quick shout-outs. You also have Marky Ramone, Richard Ramone, Elvis Ramone, and CJ. Um, the three, the first three, um, Marky, Richie, and Elvis were drummers and CJ was a replacement bassist. Do you think the Travelling Wilburys kind of got inspired by this? Because they all had the same deal, like... Something will be another person. Um, I don't know if they were inspired by mm. this, um, but there's a, probably a bit of it in there. But you know, this is no by no means the first band to like give themselves nicknames. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more playful. Well, yeah, past it's more a marketing move. Yeah. Um, just out of um, sort of interesting factness, I suppose. Um, do you know who Elvis Ramon was, Harry? Uh, I'm guessing he came from another band. 
Yeah. Is he the reincarnation of Elvis Presley? <laughs> no, he, he changed his last briefly, name to Ramon he when he briefly joined Ramon. played like a short tour. What was he playing? Drums. Okay. Um, so he must have come from someone, a similar band from that scene. Someone from the CBGB scene, yeah. Wait, who, who we got? We had a Talking Heads. We had Blondie. Mm-hmm. Was that it, maybe? It was Clem Burke of Blondie, yeah. Yeah, boy. Uh, but yeah, shall we uh, crack on before uh, this gets too long? <laughs> uh, this sure. is... Um... Uh, yeah, AO, let's go. Uh, yeah, so that is Blitzrig Bop. Uh, let's go to Wiley first. God, they just they start out strong, don't they? It's a strong start, yeah. That's, yeah. Had you heard this one before? Oh, yes, I have heard this one before. Yeah, it's um, probably most notably on the soundtrack to Spider-Man Homecoming. Ooh, I it's song that. that pl- it's the song that plays over the uh, credits at the end. Am I right in saying That's where, that, that, that there was a McDonald's sorry? advert with this as well? Oh, probably. Well, they were no, just trying to like yeah. advertise like McDonald's wraps or something like that. Yeah, AO, <laughs> let's go to McDonald's. AO, <laughs> let's go. Uh, but yeah. yeah. No, uh, I think it's also in Sonic the Hedgehog most recently. Oh. But it's it's used in all sorts of yeah. um, other media. I mean, this is yeah. the signature Ramon song. Yeah, it's. It, it's so good. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, it sort of oh, right. feels like a summonation of the band in one song, really. Definitely. Yeah. It's like it's the quintessential Ramones experience. Yeah. Um, not to not to spoil anything, but nothing in the rest of the album really matches up to this for me. Okay. okay. But there are some good. There are some good songs later on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, but it's a real strong point it, to start on for yeah. sure. Yeah. For me, yeah, um, I hadn't heard the whole album before, so. This is like one of the ones that I think everyone knows. Yeah. So it's more like getting to know the other songs was the exciting part of this experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Yeah, for me, I was excited that I actually knew a song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just pummels, yeah. doesn't it? Like, it's pure it, re- it really does. Yeah. Um, um, much like much like a Blitzkrieg. Might yeah, be. I think the BPM on this is um, about 170 beats per minute, but um, like they play it faster live and they'd gradually like like on every tour it'd get faster um and i think the bpm on their final tours uh in excess of 200 beats per minute <laughs> that's insane um it's a fa- I, it's a fast song i've heard like i don't know who it was but someone talked about when they were auditioning people they'd get them to play not like a complicated song but a moan song because they are deceptively hard to play yeah and keeping that time signature and yeah, keep yeah it going indeed. consistently I mean, it does take a certain skill. Yeah, uh, well, well, we'll go more into that uh, later on, I think, in terms of how difficult it actually is to play a Ramon song, uh, <laughs> rhythm, especially at the rhythm element of it, accurately. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, um, Blitzkrieg. Um, does anyone know what that word means? 
Lightning War. Yep. It basically uh, translates, um, translates, to say translates there, um, translates <laughs> roughly into German as Lightning War. Um, it's a World War II tactic in which the aim was to stun the enemy with a fast and heavy assault. So basically you'd fly over lots of planes very quickly um, so your yeah. enemy had no time to respond. Yeah, they'd be disoriented. And then while they're dealing with that first wave, you'd send in the second wave. Yep. Um, so pretty much like the music, you know, it comes in very fast and heavy and you sort of, you know, have to very quickly go, bam, here we are. Let's adjust to this. Yeah. And then while you're disoriented, they hit you with a second song. That is a uh, beat on the brat. Uh, let's go to Harry. See, because the last one was about German themes, when I heard the title "Beat on the Brat," I thought we were talking about breakfast. And now what I think of it, that's kind of a dirty <laughs> sort of like sound. <laughs> um, Ironically yeah, enough, that's my dinner tonight. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I really like this one. It's a great juxtaposition of the lyrics, like talking about beating up a little kid, but then they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's um, really... <laughs> I, I personally like the line, what can you do? <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do with these kids? You know? um, I mean, it's yeah. um, really Boys 60s kind of in composition, really, isn't it? It's, you could sort of... Mm. If you change the sort of lyrical subject of it, um, you could almost imagine like a sort of 60s girl band singing it. Definitely. Like, um, spoiler alert, um, the band, um, a few albums down the line, actually did an album with Phil Spector called End of the Century. And yeah. um, I'm really thankful for that yeah, contribution, actually. A lot more of that kind of um, Phil Spector kind of... Um, girl band kind of thing kind of got put uh, into the running sound yeah. um and you can see why phil Spector latched himself onto it now with even on these first sort of album tracks because there's a real pop sensibility uh behind a lot of these yeah. tracks despite the fact they are rough and ready hmm. it's very radio friendly actually yeah like i said Ly lyrics aside but, yeah but... Um, Carry on from Spectre. I think he actually said that they were the greatest band since the Rolling Stones. Yeah, the band fucking hated him. <laughs> <laughs> How dare he? Um, I mean, without going too much into the nasty guy that is Phil Spectre. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> um, basically, he was well known for being a very volatile figure um, and very demanding. And um, he'd often sort of make bands perform extra takes at gunpoint gunpoint yeah yeah Jesus. the gun came back very badly later in his career yeah um died earlier this year um in prison good um oh in prison One he was jailed better. for uh shooting 
um, an actress um, who he was trying to date. Yeah, basically, he's the epitome of absolutely huh. batshit record yeah. producer. Um, he Aww. was married um, to, in the 60s anyway, to Ronnie Spector of the, um, what's the name of the group? The Ronettes. Said it earlier. Um, most famous for like Do Run Run. Yeah, and all those Christmas songs. Yeah. And um, by all accounts, he kind of kept her under lock and key. Um, That's not nice. Until she managed to escape. Um, yeah. Um, supposedly one of the people who kind of helped her through that was uh, John Lennon, who she's rumored to have had an affair with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anywho, uh, yeah, Beat on the Brat, um, as kind of insinuated, um, was written by Jerry Moan about the brats that he saw in the lower class neighborhoods where he grew up. Um, although Dee Dee uh, further stated yeah, that it was um, about Joey's um, experience viewing um, a mother going after these said kids with a baseball bat. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, basically. what I... When I listened to it, I didn't know what the titles were because I just stick them in my ears while I'm walking. <laughs> um, so I heard Beat on the Rat and I assumed it was like some sort of mafia thing. Oh, right. <laughs> Which oh. made, and that made sense to me. And then I saw the titles later on. I'm like, Beat on the Brat? Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm going to have to listen to this again. Yeah. And Basically, then, yeah. you know, these were, I suppose, like the New York 70s equivalent of like Asbo Kids. Yeah. Um, I guess you know. I'm trying. But, yeah, it's definitely like I mean, you, fine for you to like mishear that because yeah. he doesn't really pronounce. <laughs> yeah, I can. I mean, I hear it properly now, um, but previously it, it does sound like feet on the rat. <laughs> <laughs> and these songs do all seek together, so it's weird hearing yeah. him like individually. in isolation. Yeah, because they're also like one minute and a half to two minutes long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, before, before you, you know it, it, you're listening to a different song that sounds yeah. surprisingly but similar. Yeah, as I say, this one's got a real punk um, pop sort of sensibility. Um, sort of leads on, I suppose, yeah. if you're looking like for an English sort of thread, um, you could imagine sort of the Puzzcocks probably listen to this. Yeah. And apparently when they performed it live, Joey would hold a baseball bat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is do. just hilarious. <laughs> would they release a bunch of Asbo kids onto the stage for him to chase around? <laughs> Oh dear. It was all part of the ace fake at the time. Let's shut this down quick. Um, this is Judy okay. as a punk. Watch this thing, Bap! Yeah, so that is uh, Judy as a punk. Um, Wiley, go on. And yeah, still enjoying it. And <laughs> I, I'm not seeing any differences in the bass lines for these songs. They, they are very rudimentary. Like, they, like, sorry, they are very rudimentary in terms of musical arrangements. Yeah, like, like the, 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 the is it an electric guitar that's playing, or is it? It'll be electric guitar. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. distorted. I mean, and they all sort of supposed to go a bit. Yeah, so it's electric guitar and drums, and that forms the base of pretty much yeah. all of these songs. So just and think. they all feel very familiar, like similar. I don't know if they are the same backing or whatever. Um, they'd be close. I know, basically, yeah. um, 
without getting too complex about it. Most most Ramones songs use any combination of the same sort of five kind of power chords as their main yeah. root. Do you, do you know what a power chord is, Wiley? Uh, yeah, it's when you charge up your chord. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, use um, Energizer batteries. Yeah, <laughs> this could go completely. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm way. not a hundred percent on what a power chord is. I assume it's where it's more than three notes. Oh, is it like it's actually three notes? I would guess five. It's what? It's actually um, a shortened chord, like three notes usually. It's just using the oh, okay. ba- the bassy parts of the chord. And just playing okay. it fast. Ooh. Bands like Nirvana are very popular for using that sort of convention. I mean, um, hold on. Let me have a little tester on this. Um, I don't know how this is going to sound to you guys. So you'll have to let me know. Uh, but a power chord, um, essentially. So this would be the... Um, oh God, it'd be the E power chord. Um, if you play it down at the position. So if you have to pluck it, it'd be yeah. Um, so like most Ramon songs are literally any combination of that sort of shape just thrown around the neck. Yeah. So basically, the thing I mean, is, it's really average Ramon song. Um, I won't play an actual Ramon song, but I'll just like you know throw a few chords around and imitate. I suppose it'd be sort of like. That's essentially that's, a Ramon song. Good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. The one thing he did yeah. do was... Congratulations, um, your new name is Martin Ramon. <laughs> you passed the audition. Yeah. The one thing uh, Johnny would do when he was playing power chords that begin on the A string is that you'd also fret the E string. So you'd give it a little extra oomph. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, sort of, I suppose it'd be like this then, wouldn't it? Yeah. Nice. So a little fuller sound, if you can slightly hear. Just gives a bit more bassiness to the tone. Mm. Mm. Which, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but That's today's music lesson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we get into some of the lyrics in this one? Yeah, let's go for it, because I'm not... I, I wasn't able to pick okay, up um, on this one. So. It's the shortest song in the album, so <laughs> it's no fault Yeah, there. it is. There's a lot there, though, lyrically. Yeah, it shows mm. what you can do in a minute yeah. and a half. So, um, I mean, essentially, it's about two juvenile offenders, uh, one in San Francisco and one in Berlin. Or, I think they... No, to light. I think they both meet in Berlin and go to San Francisco. Mm, yeah... Um, okay. So, it's a good old Germany coming back into this. Uh, yeah. Um, but basically, um, it's about them wanting to sort of get away from a mundane life. Uh, so, uh, the initial yeah. sort of verse is about them joining the Ice Capades, which is a touring ice skating show. Yeah. Um, and then the um, latter verse is about them joining the SLA. Um, the, what, the SLA, the SLA <laughs> uh, quite a heavy subject, um, where the uh, Symbionese Liberation Army, uh, who basically committed robberies, murders, and they famously abducted the heiress Patricia Hurst, um, who came out of the oh, ordeal Jesus. suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. They were basically uh, terrorists in San Francisco area. Okay. They were so, 
nasty with punk what, than your what purpose normal punk. did they have? It's it, it's very hard to get into kind of what their kind of um, well, motivations yeah. were because compared okay. to a lot of other terrorist groups, they don't really seem to have as clear a motivation as others. Yeah, they might be more like anarchists. They, yeah, it was more yeah, kind of along the lines there. They were like kind of a youth anarchist, mm. anarchist kind of organization, really. <laughs> Wonderful. Did you guys pick up on the lyric they stole from a children's song? No, go on. No, I think you know I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's from the song, There Was an Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly. The lyrics they use is, I don't know why, perhaps she'll die. Oh, yeah. So basically what I'm thinking is that they're comparing the punk figures to like this uh, weird woman who decided to do something impulsively and then has ended up in a bad place. Hmm. Hmm. And they're kind of like just making fun of Youth Rebellion in a way. Sort of like Grim Tales or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, this is the first point where we've even got remotely political, really. Um, you know, yeah. um, whether you like it or not, any song that mentions the SLA is going to have a political, <laughs> you know, threat Absolutely. to it. But basically what you're saying is, you know... Um, you know, in the same way that bored kids will join the ice capades, bored kids will join the SLA because it's a sense of fun, it's a sense of freedom, it's a sense of adventure and excitement. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, and um, mundanity is the demon. Yeah. I like how they combine this politicism with humor, though. I guess when I think of punk normally, it's kind of a bit more serious and, dare I say, aggressive. Mm. Well, this is mm. a lot more relatable and sort of like, Fun to play. Yeah, I mean, in any situation. This is definitely not po faced, is it? No. You know, it's all no. done with a bit of a tongue in cheek. Um, yeah, which yeah. definitely probably it's played surprisingly light hearted considering how power chord heavy it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still didn't do wops in oh years. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, like, even on this one, you've got like that kind of like poppy kind of. Yeah, it's a lot mm. more harmonization yeah. on this one, actually. Oh yeah. I mean, if we want to talk about like the Ramones being pop, I think the next song is like the ultimate example. Uh, yeah, so that is I Want to Be Your Boyfriend. Um, Harry, go on. Ah, it's such a well-polished little pop song. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um, it's impossible to flaw it. It's as pop as it gets. Yeah, mm. it's... it's like, I was, I was reminded a very little bit of The Kings. Yeah. But probably because I've heard The Kings. It's definitely got um, <laughs> explored a sort of kinksy Beatles kind of thing. It feels like a proper yeah. 60s sort of pop Absolutely. love song. Um, I'm yeah. actually but thinking with, with a bit back. with a bit of a yeah. I mean, if they back. weren't sort of slashing the chords here and there, it you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. If they weren't abusing their guitars. It's... <laughs> I'm getting more like a fifties vibe, actually. Yeah, like Buddy Holly or something. Like yeah, that. sort of do whopper, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, they definitely were massive fans of the Kinks and the Beatles as well. Yeah. I think they yeah. sort of wanted to combine it all to make their own sound in a way. I mean, um, mm. just having a think here. I mean. Just to sort of try and transpose it, I suppose, into a um, sort of 60s-ish kind of thing. It'd be, you know, you'd, you'd sort of go more 
sort of strum slash finger pick. So it'd be kind of like a. You know, whereas yeah, the Ramones obviously like every day by Buddy Holly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas obviously the Ramones would be more like a kind of. Oh, I've lost my EAB. You know, <laughs> just <It's> roughly. Good. <laughs> Oh, it's nice, it's nice. But, um, For a moment there, I thought you were about to launch into lyrics and tell me that you wanted <laughs> to be my boyfriend. But <laughs> um, yeah, let's move on. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I'd say uh, point point being there, like you know, all you got to do is sort of all all I did there was change from using power chords and a sort of up down kind of punk rhythm to more of a kind of down down up um, cowboy chords sort of rhythm. And it completely changed it into like more of a sort of 60s uh, pop song. Hmm. Yeah. So, so maybe we it's can good. explore maybe the musical climate which produced this. Because obviously punk was uh, made in opposition to prog rock. And we've just been there recently. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, in America. You think people turned around and went, ah, no, nah, these songs are too long. <laughs> so we'll make them too short just to make up for it. Pretty much. Not incredibly far. <laughs> Is that no, what you're um, basically, yeah. Um, there's sort of an idea from a lot of people in the sort of, um, especially like lower class kind of New York and London, um, where they felt this music doesn't speak to the harshness that we're seeing out on the streets. Mm. Um, mm. You know, these were rough times. You know, yeah, fog in its fantasy world isn't always that relatable, yeah. I guess. I mean, and a bit indulgent as well, a bit pompous. Yeah. Um, I mean, even like economy wise, things were going down the tank in England. You know, it's so bad that you're having like with people were, ha- were having to revert back to the three and four day working weeks um, because there wasn't enough energy um, to power the working population. <laughs> for a full working week so they had to stagger mm. when people worked so the power grid didn't go down and even then you know the power grid was suffering from huge blackouts yeah yeah you get a lot of kitchen sink dramas being produced around that time yeah well. i mean mm. this would have been just prior to sort of thatcherism i suppose if you're talking about the british kind of thing i think thatcher came in yeah. just around the same time as punk she was elected in 79. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that conservatism was definitely starting to come in. Yeah. Well, she was around before then. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, you know, Thatcher, Thatcher, Milk Snatcher. Um, among among many. Yeah. And it, it wasn't much of a better picture in um, America, especially the uh, sort of more slummish ends of New York. Um, Manhattan in particular. I know it's seen as classy now, but back then it was pretty slummish. Yeah. yeah. Hence beat the brat. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, Ramones sort of like wanted to take away from all the indulgence of Frog Rock, so there would never be a solo in their songs. Occasionally you would see a solo later on, but here it's just power chord to power chord. 
and yeah. use the same chords for like little musical breaks and just do little O's and stuff like that. Yeah. And back to the meat of it, back verse, back to the verse. Yeah. Um, as I say, it, it, it was very much um, that because their lives were sort of stark and gritty, the music needed to be so a little bit. But yeah. by the same degree, you know, they might have lived in a bit of a sort of bleak-ish sort of world. But, you know, they treated that world with humor. That's how you got through it. So that comes through in the songs as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there were things that, you know, they kind of saw that were bright. So you kind of get these kind of I want to be your boyfriend style songs that are bright and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird to go from Judy as a punk to it, but it's amazing um, contrast. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, we're kind of contrasting as we go into the next song, even. like I was just going to say before we move on, uh, if anyone's keeping track of the songs that I've heard previously, this one I, I had oh, heard like before. Okay, I'll, mostly I'll, because, I'll mostly because it was featured on the sequel to the... on the soundtrack to the sequel of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> Which has a boyfriend subplot. They... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, it's very on the nose for what they used it for. Yeah. But... Um, strangely enough, this wasn't used in the movie. Uh, yes, that is uh, Chainsaw. Uh, go on, Harry. <laughs> I saw Wiley's face lit up when he heard that saw at the beginning. Got some meters murder. I, I love a, I love a good chainsaw yeah. in a song. That's just... um, <laughs> I like I like to think that in a similar way to that they bring out a baseball bat <laughs> for the song "Beat Beat the Rat" or "Beat the Brat." <laughs> <laughs> I like to think they bring out a chainsaw for this one. <laughs> uh, just as a point of um, kind of, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, sort of semi-interesting, semi-boring, um, the um, saw sound at the beginning isn't actually a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly a circular. Yeah, it's a circular yeah, no, I, yeah, I, workshop I am, saw. I am, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, it's the sort of thing you might uh, use in your... Um... As, a as a connoisseur of saws, Martin. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. I guess it was yeah. intentional, like as sort of the punk sort of feeling. I think it probably just pitched better. Yeah, but I guess that too. Or maybe it's called... The, the ch chainsaw's got a very guttural sound. Yeah. I don't think it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as effective. That's the thing, yeah. It, it Probably just to do with ease of recording. It might have been that they were using stock sound and that's just happened to be what they had on the stock sound tapes yeah the they, should have, they, should, they should have just got homer simpson's go <laughs> i mean um sort of doing my research online there was some suggestion from a few commentators that um this might just be down to the fact that um they were from new york and didn't sort of 
really hang around rural environments that would oh, actually use a chainsaw. So they just didn't okay. realise the difference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's possible. But that's also pre-punk. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's quite clearly a homage to uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I mean, they say Texas Chainsaw Massacre in it, so... You do indeed. I do love the way they kind of they um, slightly butcher the pronunciation, though. Instead of saying massacre, it's massacre. Yeah, they say massacre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had to rhyme it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Which I also say is like, me. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just it's, a bit of fun. The, fr- the French version of the film was uh, Czechs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a wee little bit of fun. Um, go as far as calling it yeah. filler, but... Um, when it's it's over and done with that quickly, you can't really. It's hard to use that phrase, but it's it's definitely not as strong as what we've heard already. I think. No, maybe. I not. think I I I'm pretty sure I heard some stuff about bored youth again. Oh yeah, this is this is coming in quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, I mean, this is like, oh, punk's yeah. modus operandi is you know boredom, alienation. Yeah, what what are what are we supposed yeah. to do? I mean. Um, <laughs> to sort of steal um, a line from um, a Manic Street Preacher song, a lot of uh, punk stuff was about culture, alienation, boredom, and despair. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's as I say, it's not as deep as other songs, and I think that's clearly done on purpose. It's, you know, like I say, it's a homage to, um, you know, a video nasty, essentially. Yeah, a pretty dumb film by all accounts. <laughs> um, I've got a soft spot for the uh, original Texas Chainsaw. Um, oh no, I'm not saying it's a dumb film in a bad. No, way. no, it's no, just, no. It, it's it, a, it it's, radishes in being dumb. It's a it's a ridiculous concept. Dumb, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's all in the title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. what what were you expecting? <laughs> I, I think in terms of those early sort of horror films, it's one of the best done in terms of yeah. the directing, like. It does gem. There's moments where you generally do go, "Oh Christ!" You know, like there's some proper like kind He's of shock use a moments. <laughs> um, but I, I remember yeah. um, when I was younger, maybe about thirteen, fourteen, having a sleepover around a friend's house and you know watching Sky movies, and they had Texas Chainsaw. I think it was two or maybe three. Um, and it I didn't know, was. I didn't know they'd made so. Sequels, oh, they've made a million and one sequels. Um, <laughs> But it was so poorly done that yeah, well, it would be once you once you've killed people with a chainsaw yeah. once, it's very difficult to up that. <laughs> Wait, you mean they were you'd, using you'd a circular do, have, saw instead? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say you have to do um, Texas circular saw <laughs> just to but, yeah, just to make it interesting. I, there's something great about horrors that are really rubbish, you know, and you're sort of just laughing along at kind of how. Yeah. sort of there is, there is a huge market for b-movie horror. yeah I I, yeah. I I can't stand modern horror where you know the visual effects are just there to shock you in the kind of yeah. like it's too hyper realistic now there definitely are some yeah. great ones and they usually are ones that use some um, older techniques yeah yeah i think i think the better horror films in modern times, certainly, are the ones that tend to have a psychological it, side yeah. to them. Yeah, like yeah. Invisible Man or something like that. That film was fucking. Well, I could, I could be wrong in saying, but am I? Um, you know, you guys might know better than me. I, f- I believe 
Chainsaw Massacre was based roughly on some true events. I think it was inspired by some true events. They, they, I think they embellished. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's autobiographical. It it feels, it feels like they read a news story about somebody who was murdered with a chainsaw, and they went, "That's a horror movie." (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there was. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I don't think there was some guy who was walking around with a face stitched by from his victims. (laughs) But yeah, there wasn't Leatherface, but there was a famous murderer called Ed Gein. Right, and he was the inspiration. I think he inspired a hell of a lot of films, actually. Ah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else to add on this one? Uh, no. No, I'm happy to move on. Yeah, it's fun. Let's move on. Okay, yeah. So that is uh, now. I want to sniff some glue. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Wiley. I like this one. It it changes it up a little bit. Yeah. Um. It's it's uh, there's. I'm sure it changes tempo at times. Yeah, sort of yeah. around about the 40 second mark. Um, it, yeah, it, totally it's like it just slows down. Uh, it gets it gets really fast for a bit, and then it slows down yeah. just to get it. And it also sort of like changes it. chord structure as well, which is very odd for you know from what we've yep. heard so far. Because you kind of got that do 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 do, and then suddenly it's like do 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 do. Yeah, no, it's almost think, a bit like I mean, um, I, sort of surf, surf rock. You know, like yeah. played with a little bit lesser mm-hmm. accomplishment, um, but sort of has like a, a similar feel to Mazzello. Yeah, it, it it almost fits in with the theme of this song as well. But the the album is sort of oh they're a bit bored of this. We'll do something different. Okay, I'm bored of that. We'll go back to this. I find it. yeah, it's um. I mean that that's that's how I that's how I saw a bit it. of kind of like, oh, jittishness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's almost like so just funny. some kids messing around. Yeah. Almost. As I say, it's um, um, sort of like... Which is what this song is all about. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, this sort of became like the sort of punk song. Um, like one of the big punk fanzines was named after this song called Sniffing Glue. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the Ramones like very quickly tried to distance themselves from like that scene of like glue sniffing. Yeah, you, you wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't want to be the band that got a bunch of kids hooked on glue. No, basically what yeah, they were okay. saying was this is what we were seeing kids doing because they were bored yeah. and disaffected. It wasn't something we did ourselves. But then suddenly you ended yeah. up with loads of punks who'd go out and sniff glue. Yeah. Well, naturally. Uh, yeah, Dee Dee said, I hope no one thinks we really sniff glue. I stopped when I was eight. <laughs> Unfortunately for Dee Dee, he started other things later on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, seems. Of all, all the things that Dee Dee did with stigmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wanted people to know no. not about the group. <laughs> but yeah. But I, think if, if, <laughs> I was, I would, I would say if there's some sort of message to this, it was entertain children or like give them stuff. I suppose. Yeah, like actually yeah. invest in them. I think 
but I, I don't know how well that comes across. It, it does. How yeah, much it does it. to more some regard. Yeah, but I don't think it's. Yeah, I don't think they're really aiming for action with this. No, I don't think. No, I wouldn't say that. But I think if you, if there's something to take away. From yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And it's just like kids get bored. Kids do dumb. Yeah. Things. And obviously, it's the most uh, dumb lyrically song mm. on here. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's sort of like again. Uh, yeah. counter-attack to the yeah. prog movement. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, this sort of yeah. is the least poppy so far in a lot of ways. Maybe this and yeah. Chainsaw. Um, like, this feels like a kind of almost like a garage rock. Yeah, very immediate as well. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, even like the sort of vocals, you sort of ditching that kind of 60s pop harmonization just to go straight down the line for almost like um, I know you can't say, oh God, I'm going to say it in the musical context and don't latch on to it. It sounds like a Glitter Gang chant. Okay. It's all right. Yeah. Um, like, I, I know it's yeah, a I nasty can, name to that. bring up, but we've got to remember that the guy did mm. write music. Um, and his band yeah. would often use like gang chant style um, vocals. And this this is, has this all over. It feels a bit glam in time, at places. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like... Just a, a bunch of people on stage chanting, I want to sniff glue. It's a bit of a call and action. I mean, yeah, you it, the glue. It, it sort of, you know, if, if, you know, if, if that band that, um, that, you know, is a bit nasty to mention nowadays, um, you know, they had rock and roll where they just chant rock and roll over and over again. This is kind of that equivalent mm. in the punk world, I suppose. Yeah, sure. There's, there's one part of the song which um, I think sounds a lot like I Am Us as well. The bit where it's like, dum, 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 dum. It sounds like the same chord progression that I use in the weird part of Iron Horse. I'm, I get it enough to know what you're on about. Yeah, it gives me flashbacks every time. Especially the Oasis cover, because obviously that's more rock. (laughs) I mean, so what you're talking about, the Iron Horse bit, um, let's just see if I can find it. I, I say, I don't think they're that close at all. Enough know, that there's a couple of notes in common. I think it's more like the pace of it. Um, and how it's used maybe. to like, um, divide yeah. up the song Hold a bit. On. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then on the Ramones one, it's more like a... Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, yeah, the Beatles goes up a higher yeah. note and comes back down yeah. again. More um, organised and classical, I suppose, in this arrangement. Um, as I say, there's a few notes in common. Um, I suppose in the way that both are used as a device to break down the song, I suppose they're similar, but that's, that's as far yeah, as it goes. That, that's more what I meant, sort of yeah. just like the feel of it as opposed to the <laughs> yeah. exact compositional yeah. value of it. <laughs> um, shall we um, move on to I Don't Want to Go Down to the Basement? <laughs> Sorry, yes. <laughs> it's all right. I was just having to backtrack on uh, Spotify. <laughs>
Okay, let's go to Wiley. Is this the longest song on the album? Uh, at two, yeah, at yeah, two minutes is, and forty-one yes. seconds, it is the longest song on the album. That's brilliant. Unheard of. I like. I like that a lot. I like it. Um, yeah, I'm just. It's it's a. It's where sort of fatigue starts to set in with the album. I think for me, you're sort of re- you're recognizing that it is within familiar. ten minutes. Within a, yeah, <laughs> less than ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I like this one. Um, I feel it's, um, okay. a bit more kind of, sh- there's some cool kind of ways in which the chords are structured, like in terms of like Blitzwig Bop sort of sets out on basically four chords the whole way through and it's the same sort of chord sequence the whole way through. This actually, I think it has three different sort of cyclical, uh, chord sequences. Yeah. It has very quick chord changes too. So it's quite fun to play. Yeah. Um, speaking yeah. of which we actually did. <laughs> Um, me and Harry, um, well, we set each other a bit of a challenge, uh, to go away and have a bit of fun with this. Um, this specific song. Yes. Why did you choose, did you choose this one because of its complexity or? Um, you'd have to ask Harry, Harry's the one who picked it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Martin chose me to choose a song, um, <laughs> mainly because there's other songs which are too big for the album and uh, too obvious to cover. Yeah. I mean, and I, can... I thought okay, this one was just yeah. a fun one to play. Yeah. Because of well, the thing is the amount of like chords going on. The thing is I, I left it to Harry on purpose because there's a couple I could already play. Yeah. I can already play Blitzkrieg Bop. Yeah. I think that's so, like a coming like, base you know, guitar song. If he'd assigned me Blitzkrieg Bop, then it would have felt like a bit of a cop out. Yeah, sure. Um, so I believe Harry sort of, went a bit different with his cover, whereas mine's a bit straight down the middle. Yeah, I heard yours first. Yeah, unfortunately I haven't had the chance to um, add vocals to mine because I had a bit of a microphone mishap this morning. You can play the song live and sing over it. No, I'll just 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 leave the guitar. Um, (laughs) As I say, I did have a bit of a jokey go at a shoegaze version earlier on, but it, it didn't really work out. Um, okay. I mean, maybe I could. Nah, no, nah, fuck it. I'm not even trying. I'm not going to try and do it live. Um, what did you do to make it shoegaze? I basically blasted it through a fuckload of delay pedals and put it through like some heavy distortion pedals, and it just sort of like sounded like it was in like a like a, a like a noise tunnel. <laughs> okay. Like you know, it sounded like it's it sort of. In a house of mirrors. <laughs> so shoegaze for the uninitiated is called that because the bands would spend a lot of time looking at their feet where the pedals are. Yeah, where the pedals so were. <laughs> using a splurge or different effects. Yeah, um, a okay. lot of sort of tremolo effects. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much, but basically um, the tremolo arm is what they, people use to bend notes on the guitar. Um, and like the likes of um, My Bloody Valentine were very good at... What they do is they'd... Um, set their bridges on the tremolo such that they could um, do what they call gliding. So they basically play... They would fly with their guitars. <laughs> what they do is basically um, they'd strum the guitar with the, with the strings uh, with the tremolo arm in their hand, um, with the tremolo set um, extra responsive, and it would sort of create this gliding effect. Oh, okay. Mm. Um I mean, that's a good shout, actually. Um, if you know, 
if you want something to go away and listen to, that's completely away from this. <laughs> uh, go away and listen to um, my beloved Valentine because they've literally just been added uh, to Spotify and all the streaming services. It's been a long sure time. Come up on it's here. been a long time um, coming. Especially Loveless. Oh, I mean, even the like newest. When I say newest album, I mean it's that's even ten years ago now. Um, like both those albums are just absolutely incredible. Like. You know, you've got to be really sort of like in the right headspace, for want of a better word. Like, you've got to kind of just sort of lay back and let the music take you a little bit. But, you know, if you're in the mood for something that is really expansive, then they're, they're definitely up there. And if you're in the mood for Martin's home recordings, then here we go. Well, I'm regretting this already. Um, <laughs> is it going to play that? Hope so. There we go. Right. Yeah, so that's basically my, like, there's not a lot of change. I'll just let it play on into the sort of chord change, I suppose. Yeah, so that basically, I, I, I played it straight down the middle. Um, if anything, mine's slightly more sort of metal <laughs> but yeah it's yeah, it's, it's, yeah um ironically that was because I've, I've got one of these kind of crazy new modern digital lamps um actually i'll give it a plug and see if they uh, give me any money um, <laughs> um <laughs> it's uh, what they call a spark um by positive grid and um they're quite cool because you can dial in through their app into the amp like you do it through bluetooth on your phone um into different tones and that was actually using a ramones tone oh nice uh, but so i think it was latter career ramones when they got a bit heavier um yeah. yeah i tried how, to how underscore a bit of bass line on it but it didn't really work out quite right i think the thing is like oh, i, I laid the down the guitar and then when i was listening back to it um like i couldn't remember like I, I was playing almost behind myself, so the bass line's slightly out of sync to the um, <laughs> guitar line. But yeah, it was, it was good fun. You knocked Ooh. it together pretty quickly? Or? Uh, yeah, I think I did it in about 15 minutes. I, I, oh. I, I sort of purposely didn't want That's to... That's impressive for a two-minute song. <laughs> I didn't want to overlabor how, how did it, it because okay. it, it kind of goes against the kind of punk thing. Like I say, if I was going to play it punk, then... You know, there's no point me doing 20 takes on it. So I just went, okay, right. I think that was my probably my fourth or fifth take. That's good. Yeah, that adds up. You would have had... if, it, if, it, if it helps, if it makes you feel good about it, I started to notice that there were different chords in there. <laughs> 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 my God. Yeah, it's, uh, as I say, I purposely sort of tried to... I, I do it. have to have it spelt out to me, but I do pick it up. So we're talking about earlier how it's hard to stick to the tempo in a way that Ramones do. How did you feel about that? 
Um, to be honest with you, Is it a challenge or um, easy enough for you? It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, there's a couple of times where I lost tempo on it, but not too many. I think by and large, I wasn't too bad. But um, I mean, to let you in on a sort of little sort of secret, I did listen to the song just prior to playing it. So um, I sort of got the time signature in my head and I was able to keep it for the most part. You get your mind working in that tempo. when you get. Well, it's certainly better than listen to the song while you record your part. I think sometimes that's the worst thing you can do because then you end up behind the tempo. Yeah, Yeah. as well. Uh, Because you're listening for when the song starts, you're going to be starting a second behind (laughs) it. Uh, Shall we uh, take a look at Harry's version? Yeah. I'd say a bit more left field. I'd expect nothing less. Hey, Daddy, uh uh-oh. I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Hey, Romeo, uh uh-oh. I don't want to go, I don't want to go down to the basement. Oh, oh, there's something down there. Oh, no, down to the basement. Oh, oh, there's something down there. Oh, no. So basically, uh, Harry couldn't be asked to learn the uh, song oh, that he uh, requested we learn. Um, and decided, hey, fuck it, I'm just going to sing those lyrics to a different song. No, it was no, clever. I had a theory I, that the Moan songs were a little bit interchangeable because of how they have basic chord structures. <laughs> so that, 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 was ba- that was basically the Ramones, but done indie, I felt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the chord structure, yeah. just to uh, clarify for anyone who might not have already noticed, um, was the chord structure to I Want to Be Your Boyfriend. It was indeed. Um, so instead of um, <laughs> the kind of dealer, it was doing the kind of yeah, EAB uh, sequence. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> Sad face. But uh, yeah, uh, as per usual, Harry trying to be a clever bastard. <laughs> I think he succeeded. I say that's pretty yeah. clever. Well, I heard yours first and I was like, what? Should I just do the same thing? <laughs> It's going to be interesting if we like pull like, I don't know, like another sort of Genesis style album and we have to set one of these challenges. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to when we have to, when you two have to replicate the disposable heroes of hip hop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, disposable heroes, I mean, the the ones with prominent guitars are mainly jazz chords. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, true. Yeah. But um, you know, um, you already got a glimpse of Martin's rapping. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, but yeah, um, I don't want to go down to the basement. It's, it's um, lyrically another horror movie homage. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a bit of a trope. Yeah, yeah. I, I recognise the lyrics a lot better when Harry sings it. <laughs> well, I, I sang him out of order too. Oh, I don't, I don't want to go down to the basement. There's something down yeah. there. <laughs> Um, ironically, I mean, we were talking lots about obviously with the musical structure of this because you know me and Harry had to go away and play this. And while I was doing that, I actually kind of noticed a little bit of a similar structure to a David Bowie song. Hang on to your song. Oh, 
I think it's just that little bit there. That don't don't ding, ling, 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 ling. Yeah, yes. no, definitely. Ooh, but so did this song come first or way before? Yeah, it's from yeah. ZZ Stardust, which was 1973. So not way before, three years before. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> things things moved a lot faster back then. Yeah, Ziggy was seventy three. Just to be clear, so. wasn't it? I'm going to have to double check. You're, you're the Bowie expert. I'm sure it's seventy three, yeah, but it could have been seventy two. Feels rude to fact for check. a long time. I thought Bowie was your favorite artist. He's definitely up there. And then you said, um, and then you, and then it was in a previous seventy two that Ziggy thing. came out. Yeah, um, yeah. Martin's top three: a Swede, followed by Manic Street Preachers, followed by David Bowie. Not far off. Yeah, I thought Manic Street Preachers was first. No. Oh, you mentioned in a previous episode that they were. They're, I said they're yeah. one of my favourite bands. I think... Oh, um, oh what well, that could mean I anyway. think I said they were in my top five. <laughs> um, oh, we have to guess his top five. Man. That's the... <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I mean, top, top spot, I think Beatles. Yeah, I mean, that's just too obvious. Yeah, that's, what I would have, that's what I would have guessed. Then but... probably Bowie. Mm-hmm. Um, then probably Led Zeppelin. Then Suede. Then... The Manic Street Preachers. But Suede and Manic Street Preachers seem like they're more your band, while the other bands feel like they're like more like choices that they're, you they're very feel mainstream. like you should have to include. Uh, I, I live... You get well, me. there's, there, more, there's a more reason. Identifiable I, I lived character. in yeah, there's a... the Beatles headspace for most of my sort of up to the age of from the age of about years. seven to the age of about 16. I lived in Beatles land. Mm. Like... I, I know pretty much all of the little trivia bits there are about Beatles. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it was Wait, the reason. So, so when Paul McCartney tells a story, you've already heard it before. Everyone's heard Paul McCartney's stories before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he cycles like five stories, I think. Yeah, I think we've... We won't go into it too much because I think we've already ran that joke into the ground on the previous episode. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we will we will have a Beatles album at some point. Yeah, so. statistically, it's going to ca- come. And it's probably going to come mm. soon. Because the yeah. sheer amount of Beatles and McCartney albums there are, like, mm-hmm. you know, the chances are high. Um, but, yeah. Um, should we move I think on? everyone will have a different favourite one, though. So that'd be fun. Um, I think that's something we'll come into more as we cover that band. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, should we move on to loudmouth? Okay, yes, so that is Loudmouth. Um, I'm going to propose that we don't cover that too much. <laughs> yeah, I, there's, there's not much definite, to cover. Definitely the same corporation in that somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's Blitzkrieg Bob. At the start. That's, that's, that, that, it is the same. And then they change it up, which is fair enough. Yeah, and then lyrically, I, I'm not really wanting to touch too much upon the lyrics because it's basically yeah. domestic violence. <laughs> um, stop being such a loud mouth yeah basically shut up bitch or yeah. slap you yeah um, well, and I, I you know it's a bit unsavory so I'd, I'd rather not go into it too much 
as it is on the album, it does sound quite cynical like that. Um, I was listening to the 40th anniversary release of this album, and it came with a live version. Right. And they opened their sets, at least to set on the live album with Loudmouth. And it was pretty like funny how they just started by saying, you're a loudmouth, baby, you better shut up, to like the crowd before launching into the song. Because <laughs> it seems like less about domestic and it's more like having to go at the audience and being playful. Mm. And they, they did that same thing when on the Simpsons episode where they made fun of the people in the crowd and yeah. had a go of them. Um, as I say, it's just, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb lyrically because I think most of the other lyrics have got a bit of a sense of humour. And I think this is probably, yeah. like Harry's sort of insinuated there, it's probably trying to have a sense of humour. But it's mm. it's a bit of a failed attempt. Yeah. Um, so Some things are just very difficult to be funny. Yeah. Um, irony is a very <laughs> difficult thing to do. Um, because yeah. if the irony doesn't come through, you just look like a bellin. Yeah. Especially if you're you know, it's it's It's... To a certain extent, like domestic violence, rape jokes, things like that, there's very, very few comedians who can even make it remotely funny because there's such heavy topics that you're going to seem yeah. like a knob. Don't get me wrong. They yeah, are absolutely. very, very few who can do it well, but it's, it's mm. you know, few and far between. Um, and... yeah. You know, let's face it, these are musicians, they're not comedians, so I think it's probably a subject best left alone. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not like you would have lost much by just not no, having no, a exactly. song on the album. You've got 13 <laughs> yeah. other perfectly good. Exactly. <laughs> um, should we move on to Havana Affair? Yeah. Definitely a product yeah. of this time. Okay, um, go on, Harry. Ah, so fun. And this definitely picks it up for you as a song from the album. Um, I guess this one is pretty self-explanatory. It's about a guy from Cuba who's now working for the CIA. Yeah, um, it's a bit of its time, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. When it's obviously the Cold War, well, it's, Cuban it's Missile post, Crisis, post, what's happening then? Yeah, it's post-Missile Crisis. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, obviously, at that time... Um, in particular, Cuba was very closed off. So people would just make educated guesses about what Cubans were like, um, <laughs> uh, which is like, you know, that banana. kind of used to make a living while, you know, peeling a banana. And even the way the b- bananas sort of pronounces a little bit on the, you know. Yeah, they yeah, were certainly... a mocking tone. Yeah. Yeah, they were doing some weird things with their voices in this one. Yeah, it sort of feels like they're putting on a bit of a sort of South American tone. Yeah. Um, again, I don't. It, it's crossing the line, isn't it? You know, it's on the line of good and bad taste. Um, I think it just about gets away yeah. with it because I feel like it is done with enough tongue in the cheek. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those 
songs. I think it sort of is, is very much of the era. Hmm. Yeah, the thing for thing that saves it is um how he varies up the lyrics. So it goes from "Hooray for the USA" for, and then it changes to "Hooray for Havana." Yeah, yeah. It's um. So it's um. Is he pro-American? Is he pro-Cuban? It sits on the, yeah. Like it sits like on the fence. Or, um, you know, it's um subversive. Human. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But yeah. I, I mean, I haven't got really too much because musically, it's the same thing we've heard before. I don't think there's anything remotely different. Um. I mean, the one thing I did sort of pick up musically, and it, it's um, not, not the only songs have it. Um, I think I Don't Want to Go Down to the Basement also had it. But um, on these latter songs, I don't know if it's just something to do with the mixing, but the drums are really coming through nice, like the um, sort of cymbal hits. Yeah, yeah I I, know, I noticed that in some of the later songs. Yeah. That's when I started picking that up. But um, yeah. It might just be because there's a little bit more space to breathe on a couple of these songs so you can hear the drums mm. a little bit better whereas especially on like blitzweek bop everything just comes so hard and fast it's like a mesh of sound yeah uh but yeah uh shall we move on to listen to my heart sure <laughs> I don't think we really need to go into too much lyrically, though. Yeah, I, I don't like the way their voices sound when they say that. Mm. It sounds like they're mocking the disabled, and I don't think that's what they're trying to In do, what regard? It, I don't know. It, I, don't I mean, think... they're, not, they're not pronouncing things. Everything's all slurred. But, but if you listen to them talking real they life, were Joey is a, a little bit slurred, like that. yeah. Um, really? Um, okay. Joey had quite a few personal problems as well he had very bad ocd and even schizophrenia if i recall correctly yeah they were in every sense of the word misfits yeah yeah um and right, it might just be it might just be their voices and the fact that they're trying to cram five syllables into yeah three beats. um i think the yeah. other thing is that <laughs> they're, they're trying giant to as well. sound like they don't care so they've kind of got this slackness yeah. no, that's to fair it. Enough. i don't think there's any intent um i for, I'm trying to think about the best way to phrase this. I don't think they're purposely trying to sound like they've got a mental affliction. No. Um, I, I, don't, I, I think, never I think, made that connection yeah, I, 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 I never made that connection. Um, as I say, I think there's no. just a slacker kind of thing going on where, you know, they're, they're just trying to sound half-arsed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't come across particularly well in this song. No. I think it lends to the comedic tone of the album mm. in a way. I mean mm-hmm. I think the thing is it while he sort of accidentally sort of skirted on a good point I think um, in the sense that he said about how <laughs> that, that's, all, that's <laughs> always how I do it <laughs> he stumbled upon some gold um, where basically what he's saying is the, the, the lyrics or the vocals in particular just sound really lazy like yeah. even more so than the rest of the album, this song really stands out vocally as just being like almost slurred and lazy to the point where what you know Wiley was wondering maybe if it was a mocking kind of thing, 
Um, yeah. And I can definitely sense some boredom in there. Yeah. If we're putting, and the thing is, that, that effect would probably work on a song that felt more written. But yeah. this feels like the laziest writing effort possible. So it almost feels like yeah. the singer's like, resigned himself to going, oh, for fuck's sake, not another free chord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two nah. lyrics. I suppose song. if it was, I suppose if this was applied to something like, now I want to sniff some glue, like that it would feel yeah. more yeah. in place. Because that song is all about being fucking bored. Oh, I, know, I know, I'll do something. Yeah. But as I say, when you've literally, the, the, you know, the, the, the catch of the lyric is, Let's time I'll list, next time I'll listen to my heart, that, you know, and that's just the same thing over yeah. and again. And so it's good. Oh, no. You know, it, it, you can see what, you know, it just feels really sort of lazy. It does feel um, yeah, a bit of padding, which is weird. We'd say it's a 14 track album, but obviously running time, it's still very short. Yeah, because yeah. the songs are so short. Um, I mean, which again, is a saving grace. On an average live show, they play about nine of these songs live, and they'd usually skirt through that show in 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like crazy with the amount of songs they played live. Um, in their mm. 22 years, they basically never stopped touring. And uh, here's a statistic they performed 2,263 concerts. Christ. Yeah. That's a, that's in the space a lot of, of 22 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were relentless. Um, I mean, they were one of the f- first bands, I suppose, who started treating themselves like a business. Um, mm. They yeah. really knew the value of their brand. Um, I mean... And you get it in a name, how they all look. Yeah, with I mean... Like cheap jeans and leather yeah, jackets. The logo, even, for the Ramones, is absolutely iconic. Um, yeah. I'm sure... I don't need to show it, but I'll do it just for Wiley's benefit, just in case. <laughs> I love it when we use visual things in a audio. Form. Yeah, I know. Um, but I mean, the Ramon seal is basically almost like the United States coat of arms. Um, yeah. Or the seal. Yeah, it has each of their names yeah. going around a circle of a picture of like an eagle. Yeah. Um, except the eagles holding. Oh, a it's holding a baseball yeah. bat. <laughs> Um, but this is like, yeah, and it says, "Hey ho, let's go." Yeah, it's it's one of the most famous oh, yeah. rock logos of all time. Um, you'll see it everywhere. That's on that's pretty awesome, actually. I like that. Yeah, it makes a great badge too. Yeah, I bet I recognise that on someone now. Want to go? Around. <laughs> yeah, it's um, <laughs> sort of become a bit of a kind of running joke. Um, especially around among sort of people who are you know into their music, that you get lots of kids wearing those sort of t-shirts because it's it's at the point now where you could pick one of those up from H and M for about seven quid. Yeah, mm. and and the kids are, kids have no idea what it is, but it looks yeah cool, exactly. So um, Instagram yeah. that joint, and then people like Martin go up to them <laughs> and they're just like, ah, oh, I'm going to beat you. With well, that. Um, <laughs> there's a funny um, video on YouTube where someone went to like an American like emo music festival. And went around all these yeah. like guys wearing like t-shirts and went, "Can you name us three songs?" And they're all like, "Oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama." <laughs> but um, I mean, my Ramones t-shirt is actually from the Ramones uh, Museum, so <laughs> that's my way of sort of going. You can't even ask me this. Look at the t-shirt itself. <laughs> <laughs> they have a museum. 
Yeah, there's a um, Ramones Museum. Um, It's not official by any means in Berlin, um, in the Kreuzberg district. Um, I I sort of mentioned it very briefly in the last podcast. It's not a strong connection to Berlin in particular in the Ramones Mm. career. Um, But they had a big German following. Um, Probably, like most punk, did get a good following (laughs) in Germany because obviously you know punk at its very core is about rebellion and standing up to authority and germany at that time was authoritarian you know you literally had a wall that was separating one side of the country from the other you know yeah so i mean of course on the um western side you had more freedoms but you're still permitted um sorry prohibited from getting across to the other side to see your former friends who are stuck on the other side yeah. and um you know it's it, it, it I, I don't want to get too much into it because i could talk about it forever but um you know there's an obvious reason why people in uh germany and the eastern bloc would have connected to this sort of music um especially in the eastern bloc this stuff wouldn't have been officially released so um a bit like we're talking about very briefly last week with bon jovi uh these would kind of go over on bootlegs um really interesting phenomena um in uh east germany in particular and poland um going into russia where um people would um press bootleg copies um of western music onto old x-rays yeah um it's called like bone vinyl. Uh, yeah bone records yeah um because basically it was very difficult to get hold of um real vinyl to press on Mm. so um and in the soviet countries where they were systematically destroying medical records especially from the first uh, second world war because um they're still trying to hide some of the nazi atrocities um they were literally throwing old um medical records out of like windows (laughs) into you know skips into (laughs) wastelands um so it's very easy to come across this stuff so um by definition x-rays um are printed onto vinyl <laughs> so um you just melt it down a little bit um in order to make it malleable yeah. and run your needle across it yeah very homegrown yeah um it's like a huge nostalgia for them apparently even though like the sound is yeah. extremely bad <laughs> um i mean it's they look like really the unique quality yeah. that they produce which people have nostalgia they really for. look quite cool as well because yeah, that yeah. too. You sort of get this yeah. kind of x-ray kind of look of like a skull. And some of them are pressed so well, like the ones that are really professionally done uh, comparatively. Mm. Like they'll center the x-ray in a perfect way. So like the skull will sit where the middle of the record would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, be metal. they're really cool. Um, saw a few in like museums when we were over that way, um, especially at the um, DDR Museum in Berlin, which focuses on East German life. And um, by all accounts, some of these bone records go for crazy amounts of money now. Yeah, I can imagine they would. So it's a piece of history. Yeah, Um, but yeah, um, sort of going very quickly back to the uh, Ramones Museum in Berlin. Um, It's basically set up by a guy who was given an ultimatum by his wife um, because he had lots of Ramones memorabilia. Um, It's basically said that, you know, either the memorabilia goes or I do. Um, So... He opened a museum and put it put it all yeah. in there. <laughs> and um, it's 
a decent sized museum. It's not huge. It's not like multi room by any great degree. But I'd say there's about yeah, it's, it's, uh, 200 odd artifacts in there. It's, just, it's a solid collection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Worth a visit if you So into. it's got like the band's. Well, starting in Germany. But mm. It's got a lot of the band's instruments in there. Um, clothing. Um, so like they're torn jeans that have just. You can see like the, you know, stains on them because they rarely washed their jeans. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, drumsticks, lots of merchandising because um, the Ramones yeah. were huge into merchandising. Uh, the, um, a lot of it was promotional as opposed to money making. Um, so they'd send them to record, mm-hmm. um, to sorry, uh, radio stations mainly in order to get radio stations to play their records. Um, but there's crazy amounts of um, Ramones branded merchandise. So, for instance, like there was drumsticks and things like that. Um, playing yeah. cards, um, you know, you, you name it. If they could chuck it on and do it cheaply, they'd do it. Um, I've seen like Ramones lighters, yeah. for instance. Um, anything they could, you know, cheaply chuck to a radio DJ that looked cool. Yeah. As I say, and they were so fortunate that that logo just lends itself so much to uh, branding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Also, the album cover's been parodied a lot. Yeah. It's just like four guys looking cool against the wall. Yeah, um, it was actually um, the, the photo was actually um, taken for a copy of Sniffing Glue. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. But anywho, uh, shall we move on to fifty third and third? Oh sure. yes, yes, let's do it. Yes, that is uh, 53rd and 3rd. Um, go on, Wiley. Um, did you pick up anything lyrically? Yeah, they're on 53rd and 3rd. Presumably that's a street corner uh, in yep. America. In New um, York in City. New York City. Yeah. The being a gamble. The city of New York. Uh, I was, I was, I mean, oh, the first thing that hear. strikes me about the song is how slow it is. Mm. It's, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a welcome yeah, relief. Sort of a return back to the sort of sixties <laughs> pop format that we had on a couple of songs early mm-hmm. on, I suppose. Um, but yeah, um, you, he is waiting on fifty third and third. Yeah, um, I, I feel, I, f- I feel like there's something I should have picked up. But uh, best guess would be drugs. You're very, like he's very a, he's close. He's a dealer, or he's waiting for his dealer. Half true. Yeah, you're half right. Oh, yep. Half true. Okay. Go He's on. He's basically um, selling his body for drugs. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's much less. The fifty third and third was a well-known spot for me or prostitution. It was called the Loop. Right, and he got paid in drugs. Why doesn't he get paid in money and then he <laughs> choose whichever drugs he wants? Um, it was a bit of both. But um, okay. yeah, this is a. So he was, he was paid half in cash <laughs> and half in. 
<laughs> but this was by all accounts a true story um from the pen of uh dd ramon <laughs> Um, oh yeah, he was a teenage prostitute because of his uh, previously mentioned drug habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically he was soliciting himself off to other men in order to keep his drug habit going. Yeah, and if he picks up, he actually sings in a song. Uh, he covers the bridge. Yeah, uh, where he... Which is a bit about the razor blade. And did what God forbade. That's how they rhyme um, As I say, um, I don't think there's... Um, Probably because uh, Dee Dee would plead the fifth. Um, yeah. I don't think they've ever really gone into what the bridge is about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, I mean, uh, quite clearly, it's about attacking someone um, who maybe tried to go a little bit too far or was too aggressive. Yeah. Um, it should also be mentioned that attacks on street workers male or female it was quite prevalent and still is now yeah uh but yeah it's 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 as gritty as it gets i think like yeah delightful yeah um yeah it's you know it's it's weird though because musically it's quite upbeat yeah yeah it's similar to all of their songs in this album you don't use minor chords. Yeah, but I I, I, I do I do quite like it when they juxtapose posi- like bleak lyrics against positive uh, music. I you know I think we've had that a few times across this podcast. The Smiths, I think, probably yeah. one of the better examples at times. Um, Definitely, and it's very weird. It's it's um, hard to explain, but it's sort of transcendent in a way. Yeah, and and it makes like um very controversial subjects more approachable. Yeah, exactly. And these are definitely things that were carrying on in the local environment. Yeah. Even though it was something from their past. Exactly. Um and I, I do quite like the way in the track listing. Um you've got this and then it's like, oh Christ, we've really like gone a bit deep here. Uh uh, uh what should we do? So that is uh, Let's Dance. Um, yeah, sort of a little bit of a sort of about turn, really. <laughs> yeah. Can say that. Yeah. It, it's a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, it's actually it's a, a, twist. Um, a cover version. Uh, the original uh, was performed by uh, Chris Motnets. Mean Chubby Checker. Um, was it Chubby? Maybe Chubby Checker did a version, but... I thought it was the Chubby Checker version. 
Uh, Slade has done it too. Yeah, I mean it's a it's pretty, a pretty well covered song. Um, um, pop song in general. <laughs> and it's short. Oh no no no! I think Chubby Checker did the talk. That's correct. Which yeah, is, which, which is, is mentioned in the song. About. Yeah, uh, that's what I went on. Yeah, um, but yeah, as you say, it's been covered over and over. Um, I mean, status quo even. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's it's good fun. It's um, also um, sort of a good indicator of um, the sort of leanings that the Ramones had towards this 60s uh, pop. Uh, so this song was actually um, re-released in the very early 70s as a, like a double-header single um, okay. where they just mm-hmm. sort of put two so-called oldies together, um, somewhat unrelated, um, just to kind of reissue back catalogues. Uh, so this was paired with uh, Will You Love Me Tomorrow by the Shirelles. Um, for a re-release across Europe. Um, but obviously, it probably would have got imported across to America. So that might have been where the Ramones heard it from because we know about their love for female vocal groups. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I mean, um, just for context, um, this reached um, the top five in both the UK and Germany in 72. So... Oh. Um, for reasons we'll get into later, it might have um, hit the radar of the Ramones for that reason. Okay. So that's pretty impressive. But, yeah, I, I, I really like this. I feel this is a real indicator of what was to come on the end of the Century album, um, where you've, you've even got like a keyboard playing. Um, and yeah, what sounds like a sort of... thing extra happening in this. And yeah, and what like, sounds almost like a horn section. I could be wrong. It sounds so, but maybe more synthesizer. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, synthesizers weren't really around at this point so much yeah it's just buried in the yeah, sound it's, but a it seems, seems a bit weird if you've got a low recording budget that you'd spend the money on a horn section and then bury it that far into the mix <laughs> yeah that's what you I know, think if you're going to use a good chunk of your recording budget surely you'd make sure it's prominent um, it could just be a keyboard effect <laughs> I guess it's just like one of the easier things to get the record moguls on board with yeah, yeah, seeing yeah. as otherwise they're so left field I mean this was released as a single um, but it, it didn't chart. <laughs> no. um, none of the singles uh, off this album charted, and very few did across their career, to be fair. Well, at least domestically. Much bigger over here. Yeah. In Sweden. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 this is one of my favourites, actually. I, I just like the kind of fun. It's, it's just fun. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, right. um, it's... It's quite hard as well. Yeah, it still hits. I mean, it yeah. rocks. Um, yeah. I mean, it's got that sort of, what I, I, I like sort of like a slash kind of chording, um, you know. So it's almost like a cappella, and it just goes, boom, you know. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. Um, oh, here so, it comes! He's got the guitar out again. Does <laughs> it have a name? So it's like, hey, baby, where you free of the yeah, I, I, don't, I can't remember the chords off the top of my head, but it's basically, you know, he sort of does this a cappella and it's just like a, you know, as a call of punctuation. Um, just sounds okay. really cool. <laughs> 
but um you know i just like that kind of it it the the tempos and rhythms are just different compared to the other songs on this album probably because it's written by someone else interesting i never really got so much on this song myself so it's nice to hear what you got yeah i I really enjoyed this one Hmm. um anything else to add i know no, I, um, I, okay. Uh, shall we move on to I Don't Want to Walk Around With You? You fueled the fire the most. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah, go on. Uh, let's go to Wiley first. Were there, were there any other lyrics apart from I don't want to walk around with you, I don't want to go out with you? No. Or, or was that... Okay, that was it. There was ooze. I don't count ooze as lyrics. Maybe I should. <laughs> I count that as part of the music. Um, but yeah, that, that's it's probably the most basic song on there. Yeah, I think we're back I, to the kind of listen to my heart kind of school of yeah. songwriting. Um like the yeah. the punk songs that do do this, so it's no, you know, it's quite a punk thing, but it's not something I particularly connect with. I think there's enough punk mm. songs that are lyrically a bit more clever that I don't yeah. need to gravitate towards these it. ones. But punk was in its mm. experimental stage, and it was kind of like trying out something new. I guess. Yeah, I mean, this was a very. Yeah. I mean, at the time of recording this punk was barely a scene like the Ramones probably didn't consider themselves to be a punk band they considered themselves to be um a rock and roll garage punk band a garage rock band mm, yeah um and then a form scene around yeah the form sort of, yeah they sort of just happened to be in the right place at the right time with the right sound yeah you know um and they just happened to yeah get banded in with a, a bunch really um and they were more than happy to take on that mantle. <laughs> uh, another yeah. thing you might notice is I, that they have the sort of like fetish for talking about things that they don't want to do and that they want to do. Yeah, it's, and it's yeah. I was just going to say, I was, got, <laughs> you go ahead. I was going to say this song feels like the antithesis of "I want to be your boyfriend." <laughs> just like I don't want to walk around with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, but yeah, that, that yeah. As I say, it's um, sort of kind of an early sort of symbolization of that sort of punk anti-authority thing really isn't it where yeah you know yeah. by extension they're anti-everything um and i think when the ramones do it they're sort of taking the piss a little bit because you can Definitely. sort of get the yeah. feeling when they're being sincere and when they're not so songs like i want to be your boyfriend you get the feeling they're being more sincere about that kind of thing than they are with yeah, this yeah. <laughs> 
This one, it just feels like they're mocking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's sort of mocking yeah. about teenage angst. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that they only say two things. <laughs> <laughs> they, de- they definitely had their fun with this sort of like concept. Another song that was left off the album was "I Don't Want to Be Learned," "I Don't Want to Be Tamed." So it's pretty much the same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that song was extremely short as well. It's just pushing a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've not really got much to say on this one. Um, I mean, when I did my notes, I didn't even write the song title down. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's perfectly, perfectly adequate. Fine, it's by, just... by this point in the album, you're probably getting a bit tired of it. Um, I'm not tired of it. I, I, as I say, um, it's or, just that other okay. things stick out a little bit more. That's fair enough. Yeah. I, I was, I was getting tired of it. <laughs> when when it you were dissecting point, the album. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was trying to come up with things to say as yeah. I was listening. But to as it. I say, as, as a and fluid was... listen, this is absolutely fine. It's a quick album. Yes. Um, I was just going to say, I found myself just, it became background yeah, yeah. music. That's me. absolutely fine. And that's that That was like the worst thing that could happen because then I started think I got to a point where I was like, ah, now I don't know what I'm going to say about <laughs> <laughs> Which song is yeah, which? I, I feel like this is a very yeah. skippable sort of song if you're, you know, talking about sort of, you know, having to dissect each yeah. track. If, if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a deep yeah. dive, then this isn't this, the track. I for mean, it. you're probably not <laughs> going to listen to the album, to be honest. No. Um, yeah. As I say, you know, it's it's purpose. At a lot of points in this album, it's purposely um, simplistic. Um, yeah. But you know, th- there's some insights in it. All the same, it's just not on this song, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shall we head along to our closer? Yeah. Final yeah, track. Uh, today you'll love tomorrow the world. Okay, yes, that is uh, to that day you'll love tomorrow the world. Um, let's go to Harry first. Go on. This song really stands out to me. Actually, um, it's pretty interesting. Like it's only about just over two minutes. Yeah, long, but thirty seconds of it is spent just building up an instrumentation. Yeah, which is unheard of. For the yeah, and then like you've got about pure in disintegration. <laughs> you've got about a, a minute roughly of each progression because you've kind of got the almost outro um which completely changes and goes on a bit of an yeah. about face you know the yeah the namesake of the yeah, song exactly. didn't even show up in the bit that we played yeah um but i mean 
well, it's probably not surprising. Uh, the label tried to uh, sanitize this song a little bit. Um, they succeeded in some places and not in others. Yeah. Um, so live, um, instead of singing I'm a shock trooper, he sings I'm a Nazi baby. Yeah. Which is basically being implied yeah. anyway. Yeah. It's just yeah. the record company didn't want it put so blunt. Yeah. Well, he's the, he's the child of Nazis. Like, that's that's just truth, I suppose, if it's based on... Uh, not technically, but he, he grew up yeah. in that environment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, he's... Uh, Dee Dee's mother was German. His okay. dad was a American serviceman. So, a bit of a oh, so he's... values there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, um, basically, no. There's a there's a bit more, yeah. There's a bit more contention to it. Than yeah, um, so basically, it's. It, I read it more about um, this is about his experiences in America, having come across from yeah. Germany. Um, so basically, you know, he'd get accused of being a Nazi by Americans. Yeah, extremely easily. I imagine. Yeah. Um, and he's also said in a, in Germany it was the opposite way around. What he'd call them Nazis? No, 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 because no. um, the American <laughs> they had a sort of mistrust of Americans. No, no. yeah. Um, so he so he's, he's got the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, Didi in particular had a bit of a fascination with the Nazis. I think it's fair to say. Um, is is this in a bad way or in a sort of academic way in a way that's understandable but um could be considered questionable um basically he would grow up in this um, environment and he would dig around locally and just come across random old warmen in Babidia when he was a kid he would stumble mm. along this sort of stuff and he would get fascinated within the stories yeah. and that could have happened behind it all I guess if you keep getting called a Nazi, you want to know what they're talking about as well. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Um, but yeah, no, as I say, um, a lot of Germany was still what they call slag heaps. Yeah, still rebuilding. Um, so, you know, you dig in the rubble and find, you know, anything, you know, um, even like unexploded, mm. you know, um, bombs and mines. Um, mm -hmm. But... So you know, it's an understandable where we got that fascination from, but obviously, as you get older and you start buying Nazi memorabilia, it can get a bit questionable. I mean, um, yeah, one of the most sort of famous rock stars for it was probably Lemmy, and he had to fight accusations of being a Nazi sympathizer um, yeah. his whole career because of it, because he'd take to the stage with like the um, SS logo. Um, patched onto like his jackets and things like that um but he just okay. used to like as he said he just found something very cool about the um sort of harshness of a lot of the um insignias yeah um but yeah. i mean a lot of it's rebelliousness yeah, as well, yeah of I course it, it's a it's a very rebellious yeah. thing to do like um even yeah. if you don't it's against the establishment yeah. for sure i mean what yeah. a lot of sort of punks who took on this sort of um imagery um, a lot of them would say it's about taking that imagery back from the originators. Mm. Um, sure. Unfortunately, I think the thing that really sort of, um, you know, screwed it up in terms of the punk movement 
and why bands like the Ramones then had to answer questions about it later down the line was because punk was very quickly latched onto, especially in Britain, by the skinhead movement and yeah. the National Front. And unfortunately, the National Front were also using Nazi slogans and some Nazi imagery in order to bring in voters. So yeah. it was a kind of unfortunate full circle where bands who had been doing these sort of imageries to, you know, make an artistic statement um, were then being dragged into a political co-opted. statement yeah. and co-opted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think notably like, um, trying to remember the name of the artist. Um, but I mean like pretty much anyone who's in the punk scene in the sort of, sort of back end of the punk era, the early punk era. So sort of from about 78, 79 onwards, um, would have experienced it at one point or another. Um, quite famously, um, there's a lot of the kind of older right rock stars who um, were saying things that they really shouldn't have said. Um, Eric Clapton, we're looking at you. Um, oh boy. Yes. I, I don't want to kind of go too much into it, uh, but basically he um, took to the stage in Birmingham very drunk and um, basically said that Enid Pyle was right and that the um, Wogs should go home. Great. Um, Not the best look. No. Um, no. Especially seeing as a lot of his music celebrates. Yeah. Um, uh, as as I say, but basically Clapton's speech was one of the biggest inspirations behind the um, movement Rock Against Racism. Um, mm. And they yeah. made a big point of going for um, punk bands um, because they were getting co-opted. And... Um, they wanted these punk bands that were getting co-opted to come out and say, this isn't us. Um, yeah. But there was a particular band see, and the names that. just very slightly lost on me. Um, who? Um, Dropkick Murphys? No, I don't think it was. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, basically Rock Against Racism um, really sort of went in with the punk bands because a lot of them, um, in the organization were punks, but also because punk was getting co-opted by skinheads. Um, one of the bands in particular that they really um, had a bit of to and fro with, so to speak, uh, was the band Sham 69, um, yeah. who were really co-opted um, in terms of a skin base, uh, skinhead fan base. And it took ages for them to get the lead singer, Jimmy Percy, to speak out and take part. Um, and it sort of, it became a bit of a to and fro thing in his career where he didn't want to become too political and push away fans, but he didn't want his fans being assholes, you know, and he had to sort of juggle that for his whole career. Naturally. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, um, if yeah, if you, if you want to check out more about Rock Against Racism, definitely watch um, the film uh, White Riot, which was released in the back end of 2019. Um, it was supposed to get a wider theatrical release, but obviously, you know, the world that we're in happened. Stop yeah, um, mm. It was um, been screened at a few uh, film festivals and stuff like that, getting quite a lot of accolades. Um, I know it uh, screened at Sundance and it screened at the Berlin Festival as well. Uh, but yeah. Mm. Sounds interesting. Um, as I say, 
um, this was <laughs> sort of sidetracked so far uh, down the line that I've got to try and reel back in. Um, reel, reel it back. back. Reel it back. Um, yeah, this yeah. is definitely about DD's experience growing up in America as a half German child. Um, yeah. One of the lyrics is a little German boy being pushed around. Yeah. And, um, but, and then it suddenly goes off on this today, <laughs> you love tomorrow the world. And it sort of feels like a bit of a left, like, you know, complete turn um, from what's been going on. It's almost like, you know, appealing to this, you know, girl who probably sees him as the German kid, you know, invest in yeah. me and we'll, you know, take it all on. Yeah. What's interesting is before they go into that section, they do the usual one, two, three, four. Yeah. In German. Yeah. Eyes wide right. So yeah. Eyes wide right here. Um, so it's kind of yeah. playful again. Yeah. Oh, it's a good closer. Yeah. I like it. It's um, a little yeah, bit of a change of pace. Some fun yeah. lyrics in there. I like how your rhymes Nazi with Shotzi. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know, you know what uh, that means? Shotzi roughly translates to in German? I do uh, not. Roughly, sweetheart, yes, baby. sweetheart, yeah. Aw. That's like the opposite of Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, shall we um, get on to final thoughts on the album? Sure, um, yeah. Let's go to, yeah, go to Wiley first. Okay. Um, I like this. I like this a lot. It was, um, it's very, it, it's upbeat and it's fun and it doesn't outstay its welcome. I think most importantly, like some of the songs, they are very similar, but because they're all so short before, you know, it, something else has come along that is different. Yeah. Um, so even when there's a, there's a couple of dud tracks on there, but as an overall listen, it's great. I think we, we touched on it earlier. It like from an analytical perspective, there's, there's really not much going on at times, but to stick it on in the background and just have a decent bit of background music. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's perfect. It's, it's a nice sort of um, um, headspace to spend 40 minutes in. Whether you'd want to spend any longer in it, probably not. <laughs> 29 minutes. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. It's a quick half hour sort of, you know, yeah, kind of quick little skirt across sort of something that, you know, someone else's world almost um yeah and, and um they've got a very unique sound yeah. i think um vocally i would yeah. say like we t- touched on it earlier but all of the songs that they, they 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 have a unique they have a unique yeah. voice um, um which is really nice and yeah i think songs. the thing that gets forgotten as well um you know with their kind of legacy as a punk band is that you can even, you know, hear it at this early stage that they did have some pop sensibilities about them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah, it probably makes them in some ways more accessible than the heaviest of punk. Um, I think like the, mm. the, the most sort of remembered punk stuff nowadays generally has a pop slant to it or, a, you know, a, a hook, so to speak. Uh, so, you know, say like The Clash, for instance, I think are probably one of the best known sort of UK punk bands, them and the Sex Pistols. Both of them bands have got, you know, choruses that you could sing along really quite easily. And they're almost part of sort of wider culture in a way, you know. Yeah. So, you know, Sex Pistols, obviously, you've got like God Save the Queen, the Fascist Museum, you know. Um, yep. And, you know, The Clash, I mean, London Calling, uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Ah, I knew I'd heard of The Clash. Um, Rock the Casma. <laughs> you know, okay. Spanish right. bombs. When they were sort of going a bit more reggae. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the pop sensibilities were kind of what gave these sort of punk groups a bit more staying power, I suppose. Um, but, yeah. Um, 
I think, <laughs> sorry, I sort of walked into your summary there a bit, Wiley, but. No, no, I mean, you're just building on the points I made. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, my point's pretty much made that. I, I think it's a great kind of little kind of visit into someone else's headspace, um, you know, different viewpoints yeah. to the majority of the world. You know, it's um, looking in on, you know, a group who feel marginalized, but are still five times cooler than you'll ever fucking be. <laughs> you know <laughs> um you know these are rough guys who can you know rock it out like with the best of us but also know their way around a pop song um and yeah. that's cool yeah don't mess about uh harry um yeah um i'd never listened to the ramones really like as an album i i heard like some of the songs before and i was interested to go more deeply into like the scene that they mm. created I've listened to some punk before. I listened to The Clash, but really, um, comparatively, it's more rock and The Clash are more experimentative or whatever they do. I've listened to like London Calling and completely opposite sides of the spectrum, really, aren't they? Yeah, I haven't listened to the real punk Clash albums, but it was interesting listening to something that was more punk and not messing about with solos, not messing about with different instrumentation yeah. from like world music and that anyway i mainly do delivery jobs and it was really fun to have one in the background <laughs> like saying it's more like, adrenaline yeah. and uh fast-paced focus <laughs> can i can i get to the uh, yeah, customer's house before the song's over <laughs> oh fuck no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> It probably. Oh, I haven't even left the house. <laughs> I've not even got out of the bloody restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in truth, like a couple of songs are over each yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's some crazy moments on this album. Uh, for the most part, I'm really down with it. And when I'm not down with it, then it's over so quickly and it's blurred all together. To the point yeah, exactly. later on I am down. Yeah, it. <laughs> it's, it's so kind of blink and you'll miss it that, you know, it sort of blends together um, into sort of more like a sum of its parts, really. Because um, yeah. you've got some very strong tracks. And, and you've got some... So quickly. Yeah. So you've got like your strong tracks and you've got some stuff. weaker tracks. <laughs> but in the sort of rush of it all, it just feels, you know, you kind of just end up with a sort of base level almost. <laughs> You know, yeah. For me, I think it suits the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah it does. Like, it is punk, and it is not meant to be analysed. No, like no. <laughs> most no, of the I'll albums say. that we covered so far. If if any of the members were still alive, they'd probably hate us doing this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we can trash like some songs, but <laughs> yeah, but even the ones That's that the I point could trash, which they were made really. You know, they weren't meant to. That bad about them. It's just that they lack any. Yeah, they're just a bit superficial. Yeah, there's yeah, little yeah. depth to some of them, I think. Uh, and if they heard us talking about it that way, then they'd be <laughs> laughing. Yeah, their heads probably off. because a lot of their songs yeah. are purposely superficial. Yeah, that's not that's not what they're aiming exactly. For. So, yeah. Um, um, shall we get on to scores and? I was just going to say it's a solid eight from me. Okay. I think if it had been much longer. I might have dropped it. Yeah. But because I said earlier, it doesn't outstay its welcome at all. Yeah. But it, it's quick, it's snappy. You, they they do what they mm-hmm. do and then they get out to the next one. And that I, I have a great respect for that. Yeah. So, so, oh, so I'm, going, I'm going I'm going eight. 
which is that's that's a, that's, a, that's good from <laughs> that's a really good score <laughs> i was prepared for a lower number from you because you talked about how i was getting a bit uh lazier later on and not standing out so much on the second half yeah but every time i think about that i also think about how good some of the earlier tracks are yeah and the fact that they're not particularly that different, I think it is just because it's yeah. a bit repetitive. It's it's the effect of doing deep dives, isn't it? You know, whereas if you're just listening yeah, in your own free I'm time, yeah. dis- you wouldn't mind so I much about trying this sort to of distance emissionist. myself from that. For sure. Yeah, if if you listen to this in a digital media format, then you've got it on my P and you're back to the beginning track before you know it, <laughs> and it yeah. all becomes the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just meant to be like received in that way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, best two, worst one, Harry. Um, Wally, even. <laughs> uh, Blitzkrieg Bop for best. Yep. It's it's such a strong opener. Yeah, yeah. It's um, just sets like, its stall out yeah. so quickly. Absolutely. Um, and I have a soft spot for the first three seconds of Chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not surprisingly. Um, but, yeah. uh, my other one. I like Beat on the Brat, mm. weirdly, but I think I'm going to go for Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue. Okay. I think, I think that epitomizes what the, al- what the album's yeah. about, to be honest. Um, that whole sort of boredom. Yeah, I think you've got the two vibiest tracks. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that, that's what I'm going to go for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I Want to Be Your Boyfriend as well. Yeah. But I decided to go for one that I hadn't heard. Before. Okay. Um, and for worst? Oh, uh, worst one. Hold on. I've got a track listing. Uh, listen to my heart. Okay. I think that's a for, fair statement. For, for reasons we've gone over. Yeah. Just a bit lazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, dear. Harry, go on. Yeah. Um, I think I won't choose Blitzkrieg Bop because it's too famous a choice mm-hmm. i don't know um not to this <laughs> wily but i mean this song is like so fucking huge and yeah it outlives the yeah, album but there's a there's, there's so a much. reason for that harry <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason but we got a bit of a killer queen vibe here i think yeah i didn't pick killer queen for my top two when we got uh, well i album, think we discovered so. it i f- no, no, I don't didn't. think we did. I think, okay. uh, I, I, well, think I made us mistake before, actually. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we either talked about this afterwards or... Um, I don't think anyone picked it in the recording. first place. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Um, the one that we discluded was... Uh, the when sunset we did the when we did the kinks, yeah. yeah. Okay, there you go. For the second time, I made a mistake. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it goes without saying a Blitzkrieg Bop is an amazing opener and yeah. just the epitome of the Ramones as an outfit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I don't think saying it will <laughs> lead to any like big discoveries or yeah. <laughs> any surprise. So I think I'll pick up two more songs. Um, I'll go I'm for the sorry last if one. I'm predictable. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you, you pale Blitzkrieg Bob. There's no problem to it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Today You're Love, Tomorrow the World, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm struggling for a second one. Um, Again, maybe I want to be your boyfriend is a bit too big. Uh, so let's I'm not go. sure I like that you use that as an excuse not to pick it. That's, that feels yeah, yeah. really counterintuitive to me. I'll go. Yeah, but I want people to maybe come away from this and listen to a song, which maybe they haven't heard before. So let's go right. for the basement song. 
because it's uh, I do really like fun that one. That, that is that is good. That is, uh, and I chose it for us to play for a reason. Okay, <laughs> even yeah. if I didn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, as what about uh, a score? Well, we still got to choose oh. the worst one, hasn't it? Yeah, oh, I'll yeah. choose the worst one, then I'll get a score. Okay. Oh, he's doing it all out of order. <laughs> for for me, um, the worst one would come between two choices. Uh, Martin's Wh- favorite Let's Dance, and the one that you mentioned already. Listen to my heart. Yeah. Uh, I guess I go for Let's Dance because it's a mm-hmm. cover and it doesn't do much for me. Okay. Uh, I don't see really why it's on there so much because they're really great at imitating that song style as it is. But they could have easily just included one of their own choices. And um, I've heard like a couple other demos from this time and they definitely have better songs. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Which leads me to a final score. Yeah. Drum roll, please. Um, I'm giving this bad yeah. boy a nine. Jesus. <laughs> Just because oh, I, I, I misinterpreted Harry's reactions entirely. I thought he was going to go low. <laughs> low, low. And by low, I mean like six. <laughs> nah, I, 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 I felt like he was being one. purposely coy at times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely put this album on quite a lot in the future. It's just a fun, yeah. quick, fast-paced album. Which yeah suits so many occasions yeah it hits yeah um yeah i mean i'm gonna i i i'm in two boats i was gonna eight or nine um (laughs) i'm gonna go eight yeah um i'm the more generous one but it was it was it was a close call it was a close call it's unusual for harry to be the more generous one that's uh um if we're judging off the best tracks, it'd be a nine. If we're judging off the best tracks, it's a ten. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> if you, right, so it's 14 tracks. Yeah. If we judged it off the best we'll be... seven, it'd be a nine. If we judge it off the worst okay. yeah. seven, it'd probably be a six. So I've kind of tried to yeah. go down the middle a little bit. Um, yeah. Like, that's Is that a German nine? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, f- I feel there's stuff that the Ramones did better in their sort of follow-up albums than stuff that's on here Mm. but the stuff that is good on here is about as iconic as it gets yeah absolutely how much Ramones have you listened to uh I've listened to enough enough yeah (laughs) um I know most of the sing I know pretty much every single from their career and every major album track on their career If that answers your so it's question. Like, it's like 14 albums, isn't it? Yes. Um, there's a really good compilation. Um, if you want to have a bit of a deeper dive into Ramones without committing to buying individual albums at this stage, um, called Anthology. Yeah. It's a free CD set um, and includes a lot of the sorts of big hitters, um, but also gives you enough album tracks there to really kind of work out what um, era Ramones you might want to delve into um, because um, there are sort of specific stylistic changes as they go through their career although they keep the same basic template Mm -hmm. they get so they get a bit more metal as their career goes along I find Um, they kind of start affiliating themselves with the likes of Motorhead who actually um, are quite well known for um, having a Ramones tribute song um maybe i'll drag a bit of that up to close the show out um but yeah my yeah. favorite song um my favorite two uh judy is a punk yeah fair um enough. Welcome. yeah i just feel it's a great the f- 
Honestly, the first sort of five or six songs are all really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a, yeah. Very strong first one. We, we, haven't, we haven't mentioned the phrase top-loading yet. But... I, 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 um, yeah, here it comes. going to yeah. disagree at points. I, there's two of my favourite songs in the back half. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's why we haven't really, because, I mean, there's it's a strong opener, but there's still decent songs later on that match up. Yeah, exactly. It, it kind of gets away with top loading. Let's say it's not top loaded. <laughs> There's a couple of weaker tracks at the uh, end, and that's about it. Okay. Um, You're doing better than that now. I mean, yeah, so Chuji's a punk, definitely my uh, top. Um, I think it does everything that Blitzry Bop gets right, but it's just got a bit more lyrically to it. Yeah, that's the one thing Blitzry Bop doesn't really. Doesn't really hit his yeah. lyrics, but but musically yeah, it's on par, and lyrically but, yeah. it just has a bit more to it. It you mm-hmm. know that's that's the white reason with that one. Um, and ooh, um, in two minds, I was gonna say let's dance or fifty third and third. Um, I'm gonna say let's dance. Fuck it, I'll go with the cover. Both controversial choices. Um, and I, I kind of feel a bit slighted in a way by how he put it as his worst. So I'm going to try and redress the balance. I mean, the o- the only excuse he gave for that was that it was a cover. Mm. So well, I said it didn't do much for me as well. But um, <laughs> I feel like it's a real good. It's a, I, I think it's great fun. You know, it's yeah. a song that kind of does what the title says. Whereas you know, there's very yeah. other few it's, songs it's you a, could have a dance I, along. I would to. say it was a on this album i'd say it was a good cover as yeah. well i haven't heard the original one but it just it feels like i didn't it doesn't feel like a yeah. cover it just feels like something the ramones yeah, might they, have done they do update it for yeah, yeah of course. Style, yeah, they, they just make it their own yeah. i presume but i feel it's so, it, you know um it, it does cheeky. what it says on the tin <laughs> um you know it's a it's the one song on this album you could kind of half dance to yeah um and it also gives a really good indicator of where they'd go a bit later on um, when they did End of the Century uh, with um, Phil Spector. And um, they also um, soundtracked and appeared in the film Rock and Roll High School. Um, no, I'm going mm-hmm. to sniff some blue. <laughs> but, you know, songs like that really had this kind of um, more sort of pop kind of feel to it and um yeah it's something that the Ramones did really well um in their career um a bit later on so i i i I always like it when they show signs of things early on in careers on the first album yeah um Uh, you know thought about too much yeah i think for considering this as a debut album makes it almost even better yeah yeah as i say I, in, in some respects they really yeah. came out i mean i could pick the uh, obvious punk songs biggest album as well you know i could pick the obvious punk songs but i feel like that i'd be forgetting about the punk uh, the pop sensibilities that do come through um and their way yeah. with melody and i feel that needs a little light shone on it so that, that's why my picks are what they are um as for Did worst you, track you got a worse one yeah it's yeah. it so um clearly loudmouth for me <laughs> it's okay you know too simplistic yeah it copies what the other songs do musically to the point where yeah. it's almost note for note on some of the songs and mm. it isn't Throws in some poor subject it's matter. a poor subject matter and the irony doesn't stick so it's got to be that one 
No, that's absolutely fair enough. You haven't listened to it live, though. <laughs> I might have to, but as I say, on, on record, it just doesn't... I, f- I, don't, I feel like it doesn't translate the way it should, or at least the way yeah. it's intended. I don't get the impression mm. that any of the Ramones were the sort who would engage in the practices that that song describes, but no, that I'm lucky enough to know the background. Um, if you didn't know the background, I, I get the feeling that song could be misinterpreted, and... It gets sketchy when it gets into that ground. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it comes at a hindsight of looking back to it with a modern touch. Yeah, of course. Mm. You know, um, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not going as far as like saying cancel it or anything like that. I, I, I'm, I'm not one on the whole for cancel culture. Um, I believe that, you know, things that are controversial from the past should be discussed in a way that um, allows for education and, um, yeah, you know, yeah, open discussion. It's inclusion on the album does bring about discussion. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not saying wipe yeah. it off the album, but I'm just saying, yeah, for me personally, it's just not, you know, where I want to be. No, no, that's, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> and I think the, the important thing is we're voicing our opinion. Yeah, of course. You, you, you <laughs> but, guys listening. Yeah, I mean, just to disagree. Maybe Loudmouth is your favourite song. Just to reel it back a tiniest bit. Um, sure. You know, as Real I say, there. like, because I don't want to kind of close out on that. Because <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a dampener note on what is a great album. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, the two things that the Ramones do exhibit really well across this album. One is that punk thing of disaffected mm. youth, you know, play yeah. it hard, play it fast, play it simple. But on the other hand, you've got this real kind of pop edge to them. And there's no sheen on the production. And you get that maybe with um, the Phil Spector produced album where he starts putting the pop effect on them. And in places it works, places it doesn't. Um, So on this Mm -hmm. album, there's places where the pop thing works better than on Phil Spector's album where they're going purposely pop. Um, I mean, for sake of example... Um, I think the Phil Spector produced album cost over a hundred thousand dollars to produce. Might have been. Um, so uh, yeah, when you consider this on a budget a of four thousand six hundred. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, uh, just remind people how much this one cost. <laughs> yeah. It's, um... Um, and although it was probably the most successful of the Ramones albums, that wasn't really saying a lot. No. Uh, but anyway, um, shall we uh, move on to um, our pick for next week? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, has anyone got sort of any preferences in mind? I mean, this is episode 11, isn't it? Yes. So yeah. um, I think it is, yeah. I believe, yeah. We've, we've been, we're doing good. We've, we're smashing through some of this, yeah. We've done 1% of the albums. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> But, um, be impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, only, I said it'd be cool to get. Only got to do this a hundred times over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I agree with Harry. We haven't had a female voice. No, I, I, I think that's a good. Yeah. Um, maybe you know Kate Bush or someone like that would be really cool. Yeah, would, I, I imagine would cool. they're pretty disproportionately yeah. represented. I would have imagined. List. Yeah. Um, mm. Unfortunately. I think there's very few female artists that really hit cultural acclaim until, say, like, maybe mm. the late 60s. 
maybe even further mm. on than that. Mm. I mean, I know like Kate Bush was one of the first female solo artists to hit number one with a song she'd written herself. Yeah. Okay. And that was 1978, 79. Yeah. Or maybe, no, a bit earlier than that, actually. It's in the, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you know, that shows how far behind in terms of equality that women are culturally. And it's getting there, but it's not quite there yet. I mean, um, it's a f- sort of music festivals sort of are starting to take a look at their lineups and say, and, you know, um maybe there yeah. should be equal representation but it's it's difficult to do undo um mm. 50 years of cultural <laughs> yeah definitely um i, I yeah. took a look Cash at my yet. listening habits and realized i hardly listen to any female artists yeah. a year or two ago i think i might argue that in the entertainment world music is probably slightly ahead of others in terms of diversity or gender diversity yeah, I guess so. You can have like a yeah. massive platform, mm. and I, I guess like actors who are male get paid more, and, yeah. and their female counterparts in a lot of cases, and that's still a huge problem. Mm. Okay, um, it's not a female artist. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but anyway, I'm I'm happy to be looking back. It's um, basically well, it was released in 1970. Okay. Um, All right. Mm, that's a year. And it would be no surprise <laughs> Thanks, to know Harry. that I know this album like the back of my hand. Okay. Um, Harry probably I'm, I'm, I'm knows call, I'm this calling, album. I'm calling Beatles. Uh, what is it? it Maybe some is... George Harrison or Neil Young? Or... The first solo album by Paul McCartney. Oh. It's, uh, yeah, okay. McCartney by McCartney. Yeah. So, so we're going to have lots of stories. Though. Yeah. The title actually is a McCartney by McCartney. <laughs> In case I got this. Yeah. Um, it's a self-title. Yeah, this might be like a five-hour yeah. episode next week. There's <laughs> 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 a lot of context oh, no. as well. So, yeah. Seeing as they come up in whatever episode we do whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah um there's lots of context um i'm not going to go into too much of it now um we'll just get wrapped up but uh long and short of it um it was recorded as the beatles broke up and um even it's even it's release um sort of put the final nail on the coffin for the beatles yeah Um, was it the first uh solo album going out the gate was i thought that was george um, it was actually Ringo, I believe. Okay. It was the first. Ringo? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, we can talk about all of this I mean, I think <laughs> Lennon technically might have actually beat him to it. Um, because uh, I think he did a few Plastic Ono stuff. Um, I like the I like the idea that they're all in like separate recording studios, but next door to each other, feverishly working, trying yeah. to get theirs out first. It, it just it just really <laughs> depends what you consider a solo album um, as to who got there first. Because I mean, yeah. um, Lennon released some sort of experimental music album, avant garde stuff, yeah, um, like um, the Two Virgins album, uh, which is famous uh, mm. for having them appear naked, him and Yono Oko. Uh, they're actually investigated by the, um, the what they call the Obscenity Squad. <laughs> Scotland Yard basically <laughs> raided their house in relation to the image on the front cover. Oh, my God. 
Goodness. Sexual organs. Ooh. Uh, but yeah. Um, so that came out in 68. So you could argue for that one. Uh, McCartney's was probably one of the first um, conventional albums. It was tossed up between him and Ringo. But yeah. um, in terms of for any any album of any sort, it you could argue George Harrison as well, mm. uh, because he did the soundtrack to the film Wonderwall, which is where Oasis stole the song title. From. Yeah, indeed. Um, I mean, one for you, Harry. Um, Wonderwall, the album is um, called Wonderwall Music, but um, it's a cracking yeah. soundtrack album. Um, some oh, real, yeah, real cool it. guitar work on it. Um, I think Eric Clapton guests, but basically Harrison turned around and went, oh, if I'm going to do a soundtrack album, I'm going to just get all my mates in. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a massive soundtrack album with lots of guitar yeah. on it. It's I mean, a massive um, product of his time. Yeah. There's some, it's just because I've got um, John Lennon's um, discography open because I was looking at when um, the Two Virgins album was released. Um, scroll down sort of just like you know roughly and then hits like you know stop scrolling and the fucking first thing that came up was um, um, his appearance in a film called Erection (laughs) (laughs) naturally Uh, I wonder what that was about but yeah what could be said about a really big building (laughs) what could be said about McCartney's one is that um, he didn't get any help from the other Beatles as would have happened on the other solo projects that's correct yeah so in that respect you could say it's the first yeah authentically so yeah um literally all instruments were um recorded and played by mccartney um i'm just going to check when ringo's came out but i know basically long shorts of it but the debate about um like that basically put the absolute final nail in the coffin with the beatles um was to do with the release of McCartney's album and the scheduling. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, so um Ringo's so conflicting Ringo solo debut came out three weeks before McCartney. Um both came out around the same time frame as the Let It Be album. And basically uh the row came up that McCartney's album was gonna come out before Let It Be and the Beatles wanted that reversed because they didn't want to make it appear too obviously that the band had split up prior to release of that album. Yeah. I, I can understand that. <laughs> that I mean, it even makes sense from a financial perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, they'd not long mm. signed a new management deal with um, Alan Klein. Um, mm. And he'd sort of somewhat renegotiated some of the record deals as well. So as far as they wanted it to seem, they wanted it to make it look to the, like those with a vested interest that there might be a chance of more music coming out. Okay. All right. So what I think we should do is take all that we've just talked about and cut it from this week's episode and just put it on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very plenty more stories. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did this promise um, that we would play ourselves out with um the um tribute song um by motorhead about the ramones so i feel like that's something we should have a go with it should be said as well that the ramones actually covered this (laughs) uh they were really flattered to have a song written about them 
That's so. That's that's really meta. Yeah. You, you don't get you don't get much meta in music. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, this has been the album of the week club. Join us next week. I'm so excited to say um, we'll be covering the uh, album McCartney by McCartney. Uh, I've been Miles McDonald. Um, I'll hand you on to the other two, and they shall say their farewells. Yeah. Uh, goodbye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found my input delightful, even if half of it's wrong. <laughs> goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this nearly three-hour podcast about a thirty-minute album. <laughs> <laughs>